Good afternoon and welcome to the Keeg Live. Uh, it is Sunday. Normally we have Keeg Live on Saturday, but, you know, spare me the, the, the waterworks. All right. I had a tonsillectomy. So uh, even today, uh, we'll see how it goes. Uh, we have an important thing to talk about, which is DC Fandom uh, or Fandome, should I say. Uh, that was yesterday. And I feel like that is news that we definitely need to cover uh, today before it gets too stale and too old to cover. Now, I can't talk about it alone. I'm your host, Dimitri Pereira. You can't see it on the screen right here, but trust me, that is my name. Uh, I have brought in multiple guests today to talk about everything that happened with the DC fandom. Um, and uh, it's not just me, so trust me on that. First, uh, we got uh, producer Gil Barron. Gil, how you doing today? I'm doing great. Really excited to talk DC stuff. Yeah, you always are. You know, I mean, you're. I mean, we're all DC heads, and uh, yeah, uh, it's heads. wonderful to have us all in one room at one moment in time. I yeah. am among my people. I also feel like I'm among Star Trek heads today. So <laughs> maybe we'll get into talking about the old DC Star Trek line. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure I, that'll I, be on topic. Yeah. Do have any announcements? Because uh, I love tangents. You know. You know how I, how much I love getting off power. schedule. Um, but uh, thank you for showing up, Gil. Uh, you know, especially on a Sunday. Uh, we also got uh, co-producer of the Keeg, uh, Mr. Paul Lau. Paul, how you doing? Yeah, I'm, I'm good. I can actually breathe today. We don't have a uh, air warning. Did we our... have an air warning yesterday? A lot of, a lot of pollutants, yeah, with, because of the heat index. Oh, yeah. So, oh. I, I I wasn't paying attention. Well, you've you've been recovering. Yeah, so. that's true. That's, that's true. Yeah, um, if you've been inside, if you've been inside, you all the whole time you're lucky. Stepping outside even for a minute is like walking into a gross sauna. It's like it's pretty terrible. Yeah, um, it's like hot yoga all the yeah. time. Yeah. I, I'm I'm with you. I don't have AC in my house. My AC is broken. So what? Oh, yeah. sorry. Yeah, so, you know, I, I, I'm dealing with the heat. I don't have to go outside Summer, to deal with the heat. and no AC, man. Yeah, yeah. Um, you heard his voice before. You saw his face earlier. We got Professor Steve Biggs. Steve, how you doing? I'm pretty good. I'm, uh, I'm, <laughs> glad, I'm glad that we got someone here uh, that was an adult when DC first was invented. <laughs> Why you? <laughs> 1938. <laughs> I recall a time comics were 10 cents and they were printed on toilet paper and we liked them that way. <laughs> um, well, thanks. Uh, thanks for uh, taking time out of your day, uh, Steve, to come by. Uh, we also got actor Justin Gonzalez Rodham. How you doing, Hello. Justin? Rodham. Sorry, Rod I, I switch back and forth between Rodham and Rodholm. Yep. For some yeah, reason, it's, Hillary, it's Hillary Rodham Clinton. That's right. Yeah. What I that's think of. Distant, distant, not relative. Yeah. Um, of not me. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. Hi, how's it going? <laughs> <laughs> it's going good. Uh, I'm glad that we got you uh, on board. Uh, it's always a, yeah, always a my pleasure. My schedule really opened up between, you know, not filming and not doing theater. So yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Who would have thought that you would have made time in your schedule uh, between right. not it, doing I'm those things? Sitting around. Yeah. yeah so I, I like your shirt though. Thank you. Yeah. Injustice. Yeah. yeah. It's, um, it was themed thematically correct. Yeah. I, I always I always give brownie points to anyone who's who's wearing shirts that are on theme, you know. Yes, so, love brownie points. Brownie points for you, my friend. Um, later on, we will also we'll also have um, Mike Rowe, uh, but Mike Rowe will be showing up a little bit later to talk about uh, uh, stuff that we'll talk about later. Sorry, was someone going to say something? No, I was, but I was just excited about the idea of brownie points. Does Mike Rowe? Uh, riding a van with the Punisher? Like, why sorry. is that? Is that a Punisher the reference? The Punisher. It's, it's yeah, a pun reference. Named Microchip. Oh yes, yeah. Mike. I, okay, I didn't put two and two together. Micro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, guys, how dare you bring up Marvel? Marvel does not exist for the purpose <laughs> of this episode. So, um, yeah. oh my God, everyone needs to bring it up at least once for every topic. Yeah. <laughs> Steve, were you were you saying something? Yeah, what what's on your bookcase in the back there? What am I? Uh, uh, how dare you? <laughs> that that's obviously all DC stuff. Yeah, um, it's the top shelf you have to look at. They're yeah. all essential. <laughs> look, I got three DC things up here. The rest are X Men, but then I all my other DC stuffs here, which you can't see anyway. So, you know, turn the camera. I'm not gonna. But where are the Star Trek? Ships? <laughs> it doesn't. You know. <laughs> Uh, I do have some Star Trek stuff, but not too many. I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry. Where are your little ships, Captain? Come on. I, I, I don't have any Star Trek ships. I have like those gla those glasses that I got from uh, Burger King when the first, well, the quote unquote first movie came out. The glasses. Yeah. Collectible I love pulling those out every time they're there. What is that, Steve? Is that Nightwing? I can't. Yeah. Oh, okay. Cool. <laughs> He's just got all of his gear on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. The Todd McFarlane little, uh, what are they, the three-inch three-inch scale things. He just, he just loaded everything with obscure, weird uh, gear. Oh. On those guys. Yeah. I'm in. I'm on board. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I need some of those action figures. I'm going to get them. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So DC fandom was all day yesterday. It was long. I watched like 90% of the panels. I skipped a couple just to take some breaks. Um, it started off, uh, kicked it off at 10 o'clock in the morning, at least Pacific time, with a Wonder Woman 1984 panel um, where we, what, saw a new trailer where they asked very general questions uh, I don't know what your guys' thoughts on DC fandom as a whole was. Uh, it was very interesting. But uh, we could talk about the Wonder Woman stuff, uh, if you guys had any strong opinions on it. I mean, the DC fandom as a whole, we just went through this kind of twice this week between fandom and the DNC, like learning about <laughs> what sort of big corporate presentations are when yeah. you you know, they're not news presentations. This wasn't Comic-Con, right? right? This was, everything was pre-recorded. Everything uh, was pre-packaged. 
everything was shiny and new and like that's on purpose that's for them to say dc is the place you want to be all of the products you want to buy are dc products there was never going to be like i think my biggest surprise was like during the the, the sandman panel that um they brought up that uh, Michael Sheen and Neil Gaiman had also worked on Good Omens. I was like, whoa, they brought up a non-DC property? Uh-oh. That's, insane. that's like, an Amazon like, exclusive. Yeah, that's, that's, that's the feeling that I had throughout the day. It was like, DC is great. DC is wonderful. You know, even, we're going to talk about it later, but Ezra Miller being such a big part of the, the Flash and Justice League stuff, no one's going to bring up that Ezra Miller is, you know, has shady shit about him now yeah all that video came out about him choking that lady like that's that's not part of this this is the same thing as the dnc was like positivity 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 his lips were blue too good for him god bless i just yeah (laughs) it's just it was just very weird well the the what what i think is interesting about about all these you know basically like recorded zoom uh uh panel things yeah. Is and, and I mean I'm suffering from it too. The light that I that I would use last uh, semester for these kind of conferences burn out, and I haven't been able to replace it yet. So I'm using my computer screen as lighting, and that was the thing I was noticing. It's like, really, they couldn't send a lighting gear gear over to Ezra Miller's place. They couldn't send, you know, it's like the lighting in some of these uh, yeah. panels, the cameras they were using. I was like. Especially for big corporate things, send a send a you know crew over with booties and gloves and and face masks and and get some lighting set up, get some yeah. get a good camera they've, over there. Especially since they've been doing that for a lot of auditions that have been happening, uh, they've been anyone who's getting callbacks has been getting sent if they don't already have the tools, sent lighting and sound equipment that they yeah. have to set up, film their self self tape, and then they can just mail right back for free. So, yeah, they should yeah. have been able to do that for them. Yeah, it just takes someone thinking about it, and if someone didn't think about it, then what does it matter? I feel like I feel like every department was probably on their own. You know what I mean? Where it's like, oh, the Justice League people, like let let let's uh, let's figure out something for the Justice League people, and then it's like over there, like the Sandman panel, it's like, oh, the Sandman people have to figure out their own thing. You know what I mean? I doubt there was one cohesive like department that did lighting and sound and video for everybody you know so like for this the, the you know panel we were just talking about the wonder woman they all had similar backgrounds in their in their video uh feeds and you oh. know they all had a you know so it all looked like a unified whole yeah no question some of the cameras that they were using but yeah <laughs> pedro pascal and Kristen yeah. yeah. wig and, and again, like, you know, DC is going through a ton of drama right now, just as a company. And I don't know if you guys noticed, the only person who works for DC that was on any panel at all was Jim Lee. Yeah. The only person. There was no Jeff Johns. There was no anybody. Yeah. Most, most people got kind of let go in the last week or so. Yeah. Well, right. And you can tell everything was pre-recorded because they still kept calling Jim Lee publisher. And it's like, right. nope. Yeah. What, yeah. What, is, what is Jim Lee now? Uh, Chief Creative Officer. Yeah. Okay. Um, so he so he is in charge of kind of like the overall vision of DC Comics and how the characters get used in other media, but he's he's not the publisher. They're bringing in somebody from esports. Yeah, I don't know what's going on with DC Comics. I just know that it can't be good, 
and they had the layoffs. <laughs> they, like they had the layoffs, and like Jeff Johns wasn't there at all. And I know well, that Jeff, Jeff, Jeff hasn't actually worked for DC in a couple of years. Right, I know because he's doing Mad Ghosts. Um, he's doing Mad Ghost Productions, but like, yeah. I don't know. It's just weird. Uh, I okay. This is the way I summed it up for Paul uh, yesterday when I was talking to Paul about DC fandom. Is that <clears throat> normally at Comic Con when they have panels at Comic Con, it's so competitive, so that like. The panels are like, oh, here's the menu of what I'm going to be serving you, right? And in the DC fandom, a couple things were like that. But a lot of the other things were, oh, yeah, here's a menu of, like, food that I hope to learn how to prepare. And hopefully the <laughs> chef will be able to cook it for you <laughs> down the line. Yeah. Like, it isn't even, like, things that the chef knows how to prepare. It's like... Oh, wouldn't it be cool if the chef made you a souffle? He has no souffle I'm not sure experience. I have no idea what you're talking about right now. I don't know. What you're, I don't know. What okay, you're okay. Not getting the metaphor. You're not getting the metaphor. <laughs> they're they're basically. I, I get it. They, there was a lot of talk about upcoming projects that may or may not get off the ground. Yes. Oh, like, oh, like milestone. Okay. Like milestone that every single year they're like, we're going to bring back milestone, and yeah, never quite works. Well, DC, I feel like that, yeah. It's also something that happens at panels like D23, like. Through Disney has definitely announced things at their convention that never came to fruition. Like there was um, a Jack and the Beanstalk that they had images for and stills for, and then they just they just scrapped it. So I'm assuming that that's where they were with this. Like there's a lot of ideas that are happening right now in the film industry in different studios that they want to do that are probably not going to happen or might not happen. But right now, all they really can do is come up with with these cool ideas that they want to do. But yeah. Like, I, yeah, I was getting the idea that that with the recent restructuring of Warner Brothers in general, I mean, because it wasn't just DC that got spanked, it was Warner Brothers itself. Uh, tons of layoffs just at Warner Brothers. I got the idea that part of fandom was to reassure fans that these projects are, in fact, going forward. Um, <clears throat> and you saw that when, I don't know, well, Anyway, um, I, I was going to jump ahead. Are we going to talk about the multiverse uh, panel? Because uh, that's he had the most optimistic thing so far as the movies and TV shows. I would say, go. yeah. I mean, let's talk about the multiverse panel, mostly because it ties in with my belief about DC. And I don't want to rip into DC. I love DC. I'm a huge DC fan. But the multiverse panel... Yeah, it has a point that I'm going to try. I'll, I'll try to make after uh, if, if you wanted to talk about the multiverse panel. Well, so, all right. So the problem, like I've mentioned time and time again, when we have these things is that DC Comics doesn't make movies. Warner Brothers makes movies. Yeah. And the difference between Warner Brothers and Marvel, so far as their movies go, is Marvel was a studio st started by comic geeks, Kevin Feige and you know everyone else. They're all they're all comic geeks. Uh, Warner Brothers is run by entertainment lawyers <laughs> who are who may or may not be comic geeks. And certainly when they were launching the DCEU, the press releases that would come out, you would just sit there and go, has this guy ever even read a comic? You know, and I mean, the one, the one uh, quote that I was just like, oh, 
this is not going to be good was um, now I forget the guy's name because I used to lambast him all the time. But one of the execs that greenlit the Snyderverse was talking about how they were they wanted to bring out the more murderous qualities of Superman. And I was like, Superman doesn't have murderous qualities. That's his <laughs> whole deal. And, and you know, and Boy so Scout, mass exactly. murderer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so what's happened in the intervening years is all the execs that greenlit the Snyderverse have all either been fired or quit, moved on to other greener pastures. So the new guy, Walter Hamada, one of the things that I thought was was um, positive from the multiverse panel, which is basically not, had, didn't have to do with the comics, but you talked about how the characters from the comics would be used on television and the movies, was Walter Hamada said, basically said, yeah, if, if a creator comes along that wants to do a specific project or if Greg Berlanti wants to use a character, it used to be it used to be that no, we we're we're planning a movie with that character, so you can't have him running it. And right. he said, but you know, the realities of the situation are that you know those movies take years to develop, and if Greg Berlanti wants to use his character in the meantime, why not? And I was like, yes, you know. And I think that's why we're getting a Superman and Lois TV series because Warner Brothers movies just doesn't know what to do with that character. And right. Berlanti, I think, does. Right. Um, they talked about it in the multiverse panel about the way they tried to uh, position DC as opposed to Marvel. <clears throat> the way I was getting that is they're like, Marvel has a shared universe that seems to be cohesive and whatever, but guess what, guys? We have a multiverse. And that's yeah. how... But <clears throat> they don't have a multiverse. Like, they have a multiverse of ideas, but right. really, it's... Uh, to me, it's because DC has failed to yeah. do a cohesive universe. They're Not now saying... D D okay, Warner, Warner Brothers. Brothers. <laughs> I mean, I'm I guess I'm blaming the father or like blaming the son for the father. I don't know. But like, what I'm trying to say is that like, they've failed time and time again to create a cohesive universe. So now they're saying, oh, well, we weren't even aiming for a cohesive universe. We're aiming for a multiverse. Like, uh, we I meant Yeah. <laughs> right. No, I missed the multiverse panel. Is that how they described it? They described it as like, oh, this was the plan all along? Uh, no. not, not all along, but they, okay. they spun it as a good thing. They're like, yeah, but this is the multiverse of ideas, yes. and it's like which, is, which I frankly, it's fine, right? If, if we can get if we can get Henry Cavill making some cameos and some of these other, you know, DC movies like Shazam or something like that, or Black Adam, it was definitely hinted that he would be in the Black Adam movie. Um, then I, I'm fine with that. That some movies are linked, others won't be, right? Like like the Batman. There, there's like going to be like a separate Batman universe with the you know, Matt Reeves version of the character in the Gotham PDC TV series. That's fine. And if they wanna if they wanna use the Flash movie to get the idea of a multiverse out to the general public, much like what Berlanti did with the Crisis on Infinite Earths last year, I'm fine with that. I'm fine because I do think that the way Warner Brothers works, that's the only way it's gonna work. Because too many cooks too many cooks in the kitchen. Yeah. Yeah. And every time they try to do the, you always got somebody going, well, make Superman a murderer. Make a, you know, 
these characters are all like Batman with just different powers, right? Yeah, just dip them in Christopher Nolan, whatever that is. And then now yeah. you have a Superman. Now yeah. you got a Flash. Yeah, um, with this, I yeah. One woman's like Batman with boobs, right? Yeah. <laughs> Um, oh God, uh, Justin, oh. you were going to say something? Okay, I'd just be worried about, like, I know every time a new idea comes out or, like, they're planning on rebooting or restarting, there's always the fear of, like, oversaturation. And I think the idea of bringing an actual multiverse is really, like, risking the, con the idea of oversaturating now. Like, can there be too many Batman can men films? Can there? I don't think they'll do too many Flash, but I think, like, Batman and Superman are the ones who we might see like three or four iterations of down the line, all existing at the same exact time. And people might just, just with the way people are, might just be like comic fans, I think will get it and can latch onto it and be cool with it, or they'll tear it apart. But I think the general public is going to just not be interested because it's too much. Just yeah, I want to for crisis on infinite earths in the comics. Anyway, I was making this point the other day that like, you know, look, my era of comics is clearly the 90s. This is my age, you know, but it's also very specifically the time between Crisis and Infinite Crisis, right? The time when a multiverse was not really a thing, or at least not the focus. Like, we had hyper time existed and whatever, but like the best thing that happened after Crisis was like, you take that timeline. You stretch it out and you're like, yeah, the JS exists here and the Titans exist here and whatever, and you, you make it all work. And it just, maybe that's just the way that I see the DC universe. I don't see it, the multiverse, as the basis of the universe the way no. that I think modern fans or the creators who are in charge do. I have two right. thoughts that, that I wanted to open it up to, um, uh, uh, to you guys. Two thoughts. One is... Uh, Justin brought up a good point, like, we're, we're failing to see the point of view from the general public, right? I remember that when Batman Begins came out, um, the general public thought that it was a prequel to Batman 89. And, yeah. and they thought that that was the case because the general public doesn't necessarily f follow, it's not in their best interest to follow which continuity is in place to what reboot? And they're like, Andrew Garfield, Spider-Man, where does that take place with, with these other Spider-Man movies? Like, I've seen three Spider-Man movies. I don't know what they're called. I know, like, what the villains are. You know what I mean? So yeah. the general public can't figure out this continuity thing. And I'm a continuity whore, I, I, which, which, which is a good thing and a bad thing. I, it troubles me when, like, the X-Men movies have no continuity with each other. Like, that troubles yeah. me. But I have to empathize and sympathize with the general public, who, again, are the majority of the ticket sales, uh, mm -hmm. when when we're rebooting all these franchises and, and having five iterations of Batman where the public is like, I don't know what counts and what doesn't, and does it matter, does it not? I don't know. Um, so putting ourselves in their shoes, how confusing is this to the general public? You know, yeah, uh, I, I would say it's very confusing. I, <laughs> I've got, uh, well, all right. 
But that's why you're about to have an Interstellar <laughs> Flash movie where so, Michael Keaton shows up in the old rubber suit. Like, that's yeah. the whole point of it. It's like, we're going to make a movie that's going to make $100 million, and it's going to um, introduce the concept of a multiverse to Grandma Rose. Right. Maybe she'll get it, or maybe she won't, but we're going to say it in the clearest possible Ooh. way. And... Yeah. And, well, and the people thing will is, be able to understand the Ryan Reynolds Green Lantern exists somewhere out there. Yeah. <laughs> Paul, so, I know. Sorry, so this, I'll, I'll let I'll let Steve show off his S, and then we'll go to Paul. Okay. <laughs> it's a so symbol this of hope. is this is my <laughs> uh, this is my Comic Con bank. Right. Uh, and so every you know every July, once this gets filled, I take it to my I take it to Partners Federal Credit Union, which is the Disney team member credit union. And so I had it sitting on the counter while I was, you know, going to their corn star, coin star thing. And, and the, and the lady behind the counter who works for Disney slash Marvel was like, Oh, you like the Avengers too. And I was like, different company. Oh. <laughs> and I, so, I get, I get that. Somebody has said like, when is Batman going to join the Avengers? Yeah. Right. The yeah. general public does not give a shit about the minutia that we give a shit about. And that's right. fine. So yeah. that's that's the hurdle that we have to jump over and that they have to jump over when they're making these movies. Uh, they have to appeal to the general public and make things make sense. Uh, you know, and it's not just for us. Uh, Paul, I want to go. I want to go to you. What were you oh, going to okay. say? Yeah. Um, so I think Birds of Prey, uh, Suicide Squad one and then the upcoming Suicide Squad Squad. Suicide Squad. <laughs> yes. Squirrely Squid Squad. Squid uh, oh, we got Squirrely Squid? <laughs> yes. Hi, my name's Captain Mushmouth. Uh, I have I a chip in my brain. the anniversary panel at Comic-Con last year of Squirrely Squid. It was great. <laughs> yeah. Um, but so, so, like, I think when Steve brought up that it's a bunch of, like, marketing researchers and lawyers that run Warner Brothers, you look at Suicide Squad 1, and it's a mess, right? For everybody that understands the lore, knows the characters, knows good filmmaking, and then how it was, like, mishandled editing-wise. However, the appeal was it looked like a hot topic threw up on Fast and the Furious, and Margot Robbie is just massive sex appeal. You don't need to know who Harley Quinn is to go, wow, Wolf of Wall Street, I'm still hard. <laughs> so you take those numbers, right? You take all the money that made. And then, conversely, you watch Birds of Prey. Unfortunately, it did not do so well in the box office. I even though really I liked that movie. Man, I loved Birds of Prey. I, I, I really liked actually, it. Before, I mean, you know, what everyone's taking into account is it's run in the theaters was cut short by the yes. COVID thing. Yes. So, so they're looking at uh, what the trajectory was, and that's why they've greenlit another... The rumor is that there's going to be another Harley Quinn Birds of Prey movie down the line, too. Well, and then they took James... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I just said I'm in. I'm on. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> so, so my whole thing is they basically kind of pandered with the first Suicide Squad because they used a lot of the musical hooks from the uh, editors that did the trailer. And they're like, you know what? You can edit it, trailer makers. And <laughs> yeah. it was like, oh, we just got a long, incohesive, boring... <laughs> like poorly paced movie now we have james gunn who doesn't mind bringing uh obscure characters that i had never heard of that i had to research polka dot man polka dot man yeah, yeah. sport javelin Strander, <laughs> suicide sport. yeah and you know what's gonna happen is people are gonna be like 
this is bloody this is weird this is funny and i like it because they made compelling two-dimensional like fodder for me to enjoy so i think that's what uh what was the original sorry what was the original (laughs) question well, it's for sure going to bring Guardians of the Galaxy and energy to oh, yeah. Suicide Squad, which is yeah. exactly what they were going for in those original Suicide Squad trailers anyway. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The general population will like it. And then, like, I, I hate saying it, even though I don't like shallow people or like, oh, I like Suicide Squad because they had that Queen song in it. It's like, oh, yeah, but it works. no choice in the matter over whether someone is shallow or not. All you can do is say, hey, if someone says to you, hey, I really like Captain Boomerang, all you can do is hand them an issue of Flasher or Suicide Squad. Say, here's a really good story with Captain Boomerang. Yeah. Yeah, with Digger right. and not his son. Yeah. Um, something that, uh, the second thing that I want to talk about, just really quickly before we move on to the uh, the Wonder Woman 84 uh, information that we got, um, <clears throat> is if you have multiple incarnations of a hero doesn't mean that you can spend less effort on each incarnation that each incarnation doesn't matter as much so like it's more easy to green light some superman parody musical that comes to the big screen because it's like well we already got the super we got henry cavill we got the superman show maybe we'll get a superman cartoon why not just fuck it all up with some random Superman musical that comes to the big screen? Like, why can't we green, li- green light that? You know what I mean? Yeah. Gil? I say go for it. Really? I feel like, look, that's, this is this kind of thinking that every movie has to be precious is what got us uh, the reaction to Batman and Robin in the end, the, the, the Schumacher Batman and Robin. Uh-huh. Because in that time, and I think this is something that's, that's well covered that people talk about a lot, is that before the current age of superhero movies, if you saw a superhero movie, that was going to be the one that you got. That yeah. was going to be your only chance to ever see a Steel movie. That was going to be your only <laughs> chance to ever see a Punisher movie. You yeah. better go support it. You had to go support Elektra because if that does badly, you might never see another female-led superhero <laughs> the movie. The TNT right? straight to the theaters movie that shouldn't have existed. But totally. But but that's yeah. the way superhero movies were at that time. Yeah. And Meteor now, Man. Because you've seen <laughs> because you've seen three reboots of Spider-Man and two different Ghost Riders or whatever. Uh, I think regular comic book f- or regular fans out in the world say like, okay, if we're going to do a musical Superman, that's going to be a one-off. That's cool. That doesn't, it doesn't break the character in the way that it did in 1998. Right. And the Flash did do a musical episode and it was actually pretty <laughs> good. So it wouldn't be too out of the park for them to do a musical Superman. There, there was a Broadway Superman musical that ran for yeah. however long. And I, I know it's not considered a huge success, but I bet it would be really fun to see. It, it's, ooh, no. Um, the it ran for about a year and it actually did pretty good business it's very campy it's very racist uh, because three of the villains are the lingling brothers yeah the ringling shouldn't they shouldn't they be called the lingling ling brothers (laughs) <laughs> yeah. If they're triplets, um, I think that's how it works. The, only, the only characters from the comics that appear in the stage show are Superman and Lois Lane. 
every every other character there's no perry white there's no jimmy olsen there's no lex Luthor. uh every other character was invented for that for that musical it's yeah. not good um, um a little behind the scenes on that though uh about uh 10 years ago of uh, the center theater of dallas uh the new artistic director got a hold of robert Aguirre sakasa He's a playwright, and he's also a comic geek, and he, he's the showrunner on uh, Riverdale. Uh, okay. And some others. Uh, they brought him in to redo the book, and so they were all like, yeah, we'll put Lex Luthor in there. We'll bring some other villains from the Superman thing in, blah, blah, blah. We'll do all this. They got about halfway through it, and then they were like, oh, um, has anyone ever – should we ask DC if we can actually do this? Um, and DC said, you can go ahead and do what you're doing, but change all the character names back to the – way they were originally in the stage show and uh and this is the one and only time you're doing it because uh, we got other plans for that character hopefully that's a change but so apparently yeah so they just changed lex luther back into max minkin and all this other kind of stuff but they said it in 1939 which i thought was interesting and uh and they yeah retooled the music and apparently it was pretty good it was a pretty good version of it but that original run but th that's my point, is that we're in an era now where the characters can handle that. You know, in the, in the era between Batman 66 and Batman 89, I don't know if you guys remember, but people were embarrassed about that Adam West show. And now yep. you have two cartoon movies that were based on it, and Batman Brave and the Bold took the entire aesthetic from it. And, yep. we, and we embrace it now, and I think that's better for comic book fans i think it's better for the character i think it's better just for creativity in general just to have you know many versions of the character and uh and not to put so much weight on like this has to be the one it's the one chance yeah. we're gonna get to make a superman movie i yeah. i i think uh, that's an interesting point um but <clears throat> i mean again i'm a continuity whore and i like the way that marvel dealt with things where like everything had to matter and even the weaker things they built a foundation they could still build the foundation from thor the dark world and build upwards um i just wanted I to, to to get into some of these uh some comments um sure. <clears throat> uh b clary's says we need more pure comedy movies to tie things together and cover up mistakes made like deadpool for marvel and things like shazam for dc uh, he says, like, action comedy, rather, just to break the fourth wall and to fix things. And I think that, like, maybe there is a, a not-as-serious way to fix continuity that kind of brushes things to a side and kind of cleans house. League International. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. I, I uh, want well, a Ted Cord. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. I think that's what they can use, uh, you know, like... For instance, what what the animated series is doing, I think that's what they can use Harley Quinn for. Um, yeah, because um, they're not gonna. I mean, the character that they could use, deep cut, is Psycho Pirate, but they'd have to introduce the character, talk all about him, and you know, talk about how he's aware of. So that's way too long. But I think they could use Harley Quinn as kind of the Deadpool character. Yeah, I'm just waiting for a big screen Gnort movie. That's all I want. Right. <laughs> right. Um, moving, moving on to the actual panel discussions, um, to the panel, the panels that were at DC fandom. Um, Justin, did you, did you see the Wonder Woman panel? Did, did you get a chance yeah, to check that out? I did. Yeah. Um, uh, basically 
we we didn't learn like too new of things. A lot of the DC fandom panels were like general questions being like, if you could eat a burger with a superhero, who would that superhero be? Or like, if you could, if, you know, if you could have a teacher, who would the teacher be? Like, I don't know, but Give like, me the Matt Reeves length answer. Oh uh, man, Matt, five, I mean. Five hour diatribe. Yeah. Matt Reeves on the, the Batman panel talked about like for half an hour, like I fell asleep, like, Anyway, yeah. that's separate. That's separate. <laughs> but like, his I don't, enthusiasm made me really want to see that movie. Yeah, I, I don't know. This might I, be a complete opposite direction from where you're going with this line of que- what you're about to ask, Dimitri. Yeah, but it's kind of the problem I've always, and not to harsh too much on like fans of comics, like, but yeah. when asking directors, creators, people in the business, fans don't ask good questions. That's no. that's just they're awful. I went to WonderCon one time. And uh, there was the new artist for the Flash series comic. And one of the um, questions was, how did it feel to draw the Flash? <laughs> and, and, yeah, and the, the, the artist had been an artist. <laughs> he had been an artist in comics for 10 years now, 10, 15 oh years. And, he, and he's like, yeah, because the Flash is my favorite character. And I just wanted to know, like, like how did it feel drawing him? And my friend and I just looked at each other like, he does realize this is his job, right? Right. So, yeah, I just think, yeah, in terms of questions, like, fans don't realize, like, this is their job. And I think the actors and creators do an excellent job at just taking what they're getting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that, that actually brings up a really good point, Justin, that I never thought of. Yeah, I mean, a majority of these fans are goobers. Uh, yep. let's, let's be honest. <laughs> let's be honest. Like, they're like, oh, my God. By the way. You know, yeah. like, well, I mean, I there's there's Chris a difference Farley. between an enthusiast, like we're all enthusiasts and sometimes we're dumb, but like there's fans that like, like, how did your toes feel when you put on the Wonder Woman boots for the first <laughs> time? And it's like, what? Uh, and so like we got a lot of those questions with these DC fandom, but also I feel like it could be the producer's picking questions that are really dumb and fluffy like and that aren't gonna give away any plot points and are not gonna challenge the actors to think like well how do you feel about israel and palestine like whoa it's like (laughs) let's let's back up and let's just ask the wonder woman boots question yeah in this situation it's 100 percent the producers they picked the questions that were sent to them just to fill time like dumb right. questions were sent in there were probably some really smart good questions but it doesn't add to the fan service which they did they did actually have some fairly decent yeah. you know questions get asked every now and then but yeah it, the rest of it was like why would you pick that <laughs> um, yeah. The Sandman Out of all panel, the 200 oh. questions that probably came in, you're really picking the one about what kind of pizza do you like? <laughs> but, I, but you know, I am I rarely ask questions at conventions because I, I almost always come across sounding like Chris Farley. It's like, yeah. it's like remember, when you, remember when you wrote Batman and Robin, Grant Morrison? Remember that? Yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> uh, Paul, you were going to say something? Oh, um... I, I, I watched the Sandman panel after the Wonder Woman one, and Yvette Nicole Brown, I love her, but she seemed to be, like, on, I guess, as, like, a yeah. very bubbly. As 
And then you get like uh, G. Willow Wilson giving these like heavy answers that are super in depth about like AIDS in the eighties and people shouldn't be forgotten uh, when they die. And I was like, man, all the artists and writers are actually deep and I love it. And it's such a hot, cold feeling when you have that conversely with like, well, Chris and Wig and I were fighting because that's what we do in the movie and uh, we kissed. So there's yeah. that. <laughs> Like, yeah. Um, are you guys excited about Wonder Woman 84? Like, how do you guys yeah. feel it's going to play out? Because uh, I have, I don't know what's going on right now with Max Lord and everything. Um, and we finally got our first look at Kristen Wiig as Cheetah. When I say first look, it was a blur, it's a blurry ish look. Um, yeah, it was a pretty cool blur. Yeah. Yeah. It was a little grayer than I wanted it to be, but, you know, it, was, it wasn't. I that think cool. that was. And I also think that was the lighting too. Um, I also think it was a first pass because it's obviously computer generated. Right. Uh, Wait. And I think I. <laughs> I know. I, shocker! Shocker! I know. Um, what? But, uh, but I. I also think it was a first pass because it didn't really look all that great. But I. I like the idea of that version of Cheetah. The direction. It seemed, it seemed like it needed another couple of passes. Right, it's a it's a slow transformation in the vein of Emil Blonsky turning into right. uh, abomination. Uh, abomination. Thank yeah, you. yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I you know I, I I rewatched Wonder Woman last night, and you know I am starting to think about screenwriting in terms of like pieces of dialogue that are super revelatory of character. And you go back to like Captain America and clearly, you know, the big one is, is, you know, I could do this all day, but the one I always think of is just the, I don't like bullies. And you hear that line, you're like, you get it, you get Captain America. Mm -hmm. And the one for Wonder Woman for me in that first movie was um, if, if you left, who would sing for us? And I'm like, oh, that breaks my heart every time in that movie because it's such a beautiful, like, it just shows you how much love is in that character. And watching the trailer for, for Wonder Woman 84, the line that, that really just gut punched me that I absolutely loved uh, was her, once um, the cheetah shows up in full transformation and Wonder Woman says, Barbara, what did you do? And yeah. that is so, that is, I know it seems so simple, but it is exactly the relationship between Wonder Woman and Cheetah. It, yeah. is, it is the basis of everything that happens between those two characters in comics, in movies, wherever. That's the basis of that relationship. And so it was really beautiful to see that that was in the trailer and that it was yeah. showcased. Yeah, I think I think they captured that one of, one of Barbara Minerva's motivations is envy or jealousy. Yeah. She wants she wants that kind of Wonder Woman power herself, and she feels helpless. She feels like she does get trod on and all this kind of stuff. And I mean, even in the yeah, even in the way that character is done in the comics is she gives over to Urskatarga, <laughs> mispronouncing it probably, because she wants the power that men have, and ends up turning into you know turning herself into a freak in the process. Yeah. Um, that's a so crappy think, Greek. Sorry. Yeah. So yeah. So what I think. Guys, I, what did you guys think, think of the big uh, interview between um, uh, Venus Williams and and the director? The, the, um, it was really just announcing uh, Venus's clothing line. Mm. Yeah, I kind of had that playing in the background. Um, 
It was, I, it was a big it was for you. commercial. It was basically a commercial, but I did think yeah. they did touch on some, you know, some interesting topics so far as women's empowerment and that type of thing. And yeah, you know, I mean, kind it was of, really kind beautiful. That age. The uh, the matchup makes more, sense. Okay. That's all, that that's the only opinion I have. Like that matchup between Venus Williams and Wonder Woman makes sense. That yeah. I I don't know. It's not it's not for me. Like it's not even it's not aimed towards me. But no, I, it, yeah. okay, <laughs> we're cool. not the market for that. <laughs> yeah, I am buying every tank top in that line. <laughs> <laughs> I will say that for myself, I walked back into the room when it started, and I got into the room when that um that art piece that was made for her, there was Venus Williams as the monitor or whatever it was, was oh yeah was, was shown. And I looked at that at that piece and I'm like, are they revealing that Venus Williams is playing Big Barda in the Avery DuVernay uh, New Gods movie? That was like the first thing that the thought that came to my head. And I was like, that's a smart idea. <laughs> it's, yeah, that would I mean, be that'd awesome. Be, that'd be weird. Uh, I would, but yeah, I mean, it I wasn't... I don't know what that was for. It was just like a promotional image because she. There was a backstory where they were like, "That's not the monitor or the anti-monitor. It's this character that goes between the universes of yeah. antimatter and matter." I yeah. don't know. It, it, it just. It, it seemed like I a fluff was, piece. Yeah, I think it was a deal. It, it, the way she was talking about it, it was just kind of a, a whim. She and Jim Lee were talking about it. And he and he kind of went and ran with it and came up with that with that character yeah um, um so i don't know that it's ever going to make an actual appearance anywhere but it would no, be cool if it, if it did I, yeah i mean a character that can move back and forth between the universes neither monitor nor anti-monitor oh then, like like access from marvel versus dc <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah i'm sure access still exists somewhere in time. <laughs> um one day when i get to write my my comic Whatever, the, whichever the big two gives me a chance, you know that access is going to be the big uh, cliffhanger at the end. Okay. Oh, yeah. Um, Justin, uh, I wanted to, uh, well, I mean, I want to open it up to anybody, but like, we'll start with you, Justin. Like, uh, I don't, like, what are your, what are your, do you have a, uh, a theory for why Steve Trevor is around? Because that whole Steve Trevor thing seems to me like it's going to get pulled away at the end of the movie. And honestly, I have no idea on why he's around. Yeah, I honestly have nothing. Like, I, <laughs> yeah, nope, I have I have absolutely, Max, no, a god grabbed him and pulled him out of death. Maxwell Lord is a genie. Died. Maybe. Maxwell Lord is a mind control character. Yeah. Yeah, but true. like, you're saying that it's all an illusion? I'm saying it's possible. Uh, from what? I was able to gather from the thing is he has all these things, <clears throat> all these comments about you can get whatever you wish for. So yeah, right. basically like it's like he, he's a reality manipulator in this. So that's why has he interacted I, with? Did he's he inter the one that Barbara Minerva makes the deal with to become Cheetah. Yeah, and I would then assume. Wonder Woman's wish is to have Steve Steve Trevor yeah. back. And so he also blows just a podium. In the trailer, Sorry. yeah, just, Justin was going to say other, something. Does he interact with any other character in the trailers? Because he could just be in her head. That's what I'm saying. I hope we don't get another Ares kind of deal, uh. like in the first one, because he was kind of the weakest part of Wonder Woman. Yeah, we'll see. 
like what if Max Lord is a Greek god? Like made human? If we do another Ares thing? I, I don't know. I do like that the mis the mystery's still out there. Like and so that intrigues me. Um I don't know what they're gonna do. You know? Let's um, extend the show and just hammer this out. I'll go get the red thread. We'll get some maps. <laughs> I'll call my friends at QAnon. Yeah. Hey, um, whatever it is, I'm, I'm here for it. I thought the trailer was great. Yeah. Um, no matter what it ends up being, you know, I'm along for the ride. I think that first Wonder Woman movie, um, I agree with you guys about Aries, but I think that for the most part, it was a, it was a home run. If not a home oh, yeah, run, at least a yeah. couple stolen bases, you know? Yeah. yeah. So it was... It was it was, it was at least a triple. <laughs> yeah, I was definitely a really big fan of the first Wonder Woman film. Um, I thought it was the strongest of the DCEU films that have been released. And like they should have started with her. Like, honestly, yeah. like that's right. where they should have started. Um, they didn't have this faith, one, though. Right. No, right. Um, it, she's a female character and she's not Batman or Superman. So yeah. um, I also I'm really excited to see Kristen Wiig in a character that is not like an SNL character. Like, she's just from the trailer looks like what we go to acting school for like she's bringing actual emotion to it um yeah. and yeah. like not saying comedians aren't actually actors like we are actually <laughs> actors but <laughs> i just mean there's it's it's bringing her to another level that we just haven't seen right, right. well i have because i watch every movie but yeah okay. uh, um, she's she's been in more serious like the was she in the savages that's true you're right yeah She's, she's been in serious movies and she had bit parts in uh, other movies like um, Downsizing, uh, The Martian, uh, and oh, yeah. so yeah, she's got the chops. She's yeah, got the chops I just think it's it's in my mind it's not she wasn't an actress who I would be like yeah I'd like to see her in a superhero film. And yeah, now that she is in a superhero <laughs> film, I'm like oh okay she looks like she's gonna be able to hold her own and yeah. I'm like surprised and not surprised at the exact same time. Yeah. yeah. Um, talking about comedy and movies and trailers, let's move on to the Suicide Squad. The James Gunn, not reboot, like it's supposed to still be in continuity, but it's almost like a refresh. It's supposed to like yeah. make you forget about the first Suicide Squad movie and be like, this is like the next thing. But, you know, this if, if anyone's going to think of Suicide Squad, this is the movie that they want you to think of, right? Yeah, right. made it the Suicide Squad. Yeah. That's yeah. also a very James Gunn way of thinking. Like, he wants his stuff to be fresh and, and almost separate. I remember when Guardians of the Galaxy came out, he was very much like, no, this is not connected to the Marvel films that have already come out. He didn't want his audience to think that it was just another film in that line. So the fact that he's going into it and talking about this Suicide Squad that way is great because there's now no expectation or it's at least lesser of an expectation and to come in fresh. Yeah. Yeah. He, and I he, also think. Oh, uh, sorry, Steve. Yeah. No, the other thing that I think is cool about it, though, is that they are keeping the casting, right? Yeah. They're keeping Jai Courtney and uh, Joel Kinnaman and Margot Robbie, obviously, and Viola Davis. Yeah. So there is continuity, but yeah, but he, you know, and, and it, because the thing is on the business side, Suicide Squad made a shite load of money. That's mm -hmm. the reason they're getting the second one but it was poorly reviewed. So now Warner Brothers is trying to get 
a major blockbuster that makes a ton of money and also get some positive reviews. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so I think I think it was a smart thing to bring James Gunn in. I think he handles this kind of material really well. Oh, yeah. And, and I mean, anyone who wants to make folk... <laughs> that, <laughs> that. To make folk the folk League of Shadows have you now, Stephen Biggs. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> anyone who wants to make Polka Dot Man a viable uh, villain character, I'm all on board for that. Yeah, and <laughs> that, that actor that? is so creepy. Um, what's his name? Dos, Dos Malchian? That that yeah, actor? He, he is yeah. so creepy. He was in Happy, which uh, as like a masochistic like torturer. Yeah. Yeah. I he mean, was he, in the Dark Knight. Yep. Yeah. yeah. He was in he was the Flash TV show. Yeah. Who was yeah. he? Uh, he was uh, Abracadabra. Oh, right. He, yeah. he appears for oh. one episode yeah. to like to like hint about the future. And then that was like kind of it. Um, the the lineup that they have, they finally told us like who everyone is playing, um, and like Steve is King Shark. All right. What'd you yeah. say? Steve Ag is King Shark. Yeah. Uh, oh. But, but he was very specific that Steve Ag is playing the body of, of King Shark. Yeah. But we still don't know who's gonna play the voice of King Shark, uh, and I'm still. You know, open for uh, for what's his face from the Harley Quinn series. Yeah, yeah. Ron, Ron oh, Funches. Yeah. Ron Funches. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that is correct. How are you doing, everyone? <laughs> because it, it even looked like in this that like some of King Shark's mannerisms were were kind of based on that. So yeah. I was like, okay, cool. Like Which like. You know, like his gesture and everything seemed to be very much along the Harley Quinn, King Shark. I mean, King Shark is getting a lot of airplay right now. So Harley Quinn has him. Yeah. And the Suicide Squad movie and the Suicide Squad game is going to happen as well. Yeah. And the yeah. 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 The Flash TV show. And so, like, uh, the design for the movie King Shark looks chubby and cute. And yeah. you know he's gonna just open up his mouth and eat people alive. <laughs> it's it's in the trailer. He bites someone. Yeah, in the Yeah. That's for what an I'm, hour for that whole panel, Gail Simone was on Twitter. The only thing she kept typing was King Shark is a shark. Uh, to every person who tweeted at him, King Shark is a shark. <laughs> yeah. Um he also has the, the Polynesian tattoos. Uh, is that what I saw? No, no, no. In the game. In the, in the, the game. game, he has the Polynesian yeah. tattoos, which is, that's the King Shark I like, is the he's a Polynesian god-shark hybrid. He's and, a uh, shark, Dimitri. What? He's a shark. Yeah, well, yes. King Shark is a shark. But, like, uh, I'm excited for the lineup of, of Suicide Squad. Do you guys have any, yeah. any uh, uh, theories any like, like what's gonna happen in the movie? The, sorry, uh, I like that they shouted out the first appearance of King Shark was in the Carl Kessel Superboy series. <laughs> like, uh, you know, I think it's a little bit of forgotten history now. I think King Shark feels like he's always been in the DCU, but we forget that you know he comes from uh, the, the 90s Hawaii era of yeah. Superboy. Yeah, yeah, I I forgot about that because. Well, because there's two characters in DC Comics. There's King Shark and there's The Shark. 
and right. the shark, the shark is a green is... lantern uh, villain. What? The shark is a Green Lantern villain. Yeah, the shark is a Green Lantern villain who's also a shark who's psychic, right? It, you're right, because he got evolved. Yeah. Uh, basically, some kind of thing, and he, he evolved from a shark into a man shark. A psychic man shark. There's like yeah. some weird thing there. So the shark has been around since the There's Silver also Age. A great white shark in DC. Is there a great white shark in DC? Yeah, he's a Batman villain. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, there's a couple of shark uh, things. So it's cool to see King Shark is leading the pack there, you know? <laughs> yeah. Right now. You know, with this stuff. Um, do you guys have any theories about the movie whatsoever? Who's going to die? Who's going to live? You know? The strongest uh, person's going to die, and that's Mongal, right? Yeah. Okay, Mongal is definitely going to die. Cause... How terrible did that makeup look? Is it just me? The Mongal makeup looked horrible. Uh, yeah. I remember it, so. I, uh, I was telling Paul, I was telling him that, like, there's something about the heavy prosthetics on the head of all these characters, like Killer Croc in Suicide Squad, that, like, make the faces look puffy because they have, like, a, a, a depth to them. Sure, like, right. there's a thickness to the prosthetic. So, like, everybody's heads look really puffy compared to their bodies. And they don't emote without animatronics. Sorry. Yeah. So, I don't know. I love that Mongal is in it. She seems like she's on a different scale from those characters. Because remember, Mongal comes from War World. Yeah. She's on the level of Mongol and Darkseid and Imperiax and whatever those cosmic villains are. Why is she fucking around with Captain Boomerang? I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. Also, why isn't she more yellow? Like she, she I thought it was. Yellow. Yeah. I thought she was coriander, like or uh, blackfire. Right. Oh, you know, yeah. When I first saw her. It's like okay, that's weird. Yeah, uh, I don't know. There, there. A lot of these guys in Suicide Squad are losers, and I'm right. so glad that James Gunn <laughs> yeah. got the rights to like dig real deep, and mm-hmm. to like pick out people like Pete Davidson playing Blackguard. Or like yeah. Michael Rooker playing Savant and just yeah. be like, oh yeah, those guys are going to die. Those guys are going to die like in yeah. the first five minutes. I'm thinking. I love the fact that they kept digging on Michael Rooker for the whole panel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was a like, fun panel. Yeah, this yeah. is going to be the best like in spite of Michael Rooker. <laughs> and like Nathan Fillion as TDK, which is not a villain but some people are saying he's the male version of Knockout from, like, Knockout being the Apocalypse female Fury. From Secret Six. Yeah, from Secret Six. So, I don't know. Also played a big part in the uh, Carl Kessel Superboy run. Yeah, Knockout. Yeah, bringing that one up, because that's what you guys need to go to Comixology and download is every issue of the Carl Kessel Superboy. (laughs) Yeah, back What was Superboy's love interest, that that girl in Hawaii, that Hawaiian girl? Donna Moon. Okay, I I forgot. She was a Hawaiian news reporter, sort of an Iris West kind of character. Um, And Knockout was kind of his version of Maxima. Like, Knockout showed up and was like, I'm going to fuck this teenager. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. the Suicide Squad game, though, um, it's supposed to take place right. in the Arkham universe. It right. looks amazing. 
and they were saying that the gameplay itself, like each character, is gonna have all these things that they can do. Um, what were uh, Justin? You saw you saw that the trailer yeah. for that that panel. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it looks great. I'm super excited for it. Um, I'm really hoping that they'll. I mean, it's gonna have multiplayer. Obviously, I'm really hoping that it'll have like in-person co-op because. I'm kind of tired of just multiplayer with other people from around the world and not being able to sit in a room with a friend or my wife who likes to play video games and potentially yeah. being able to run place to place. Um, I also like the concept of all four characters are always there and that you can jump to any of them periodically, like at any point. Like in a football game. Right. Yeah. So it's going to, yeah, it just looks awesome i'm really excited to see like what's up with the justice league like why because it didn't look like we're hunting the justice league it looks like we're hunting some evil version of the justice league i mean maybe do you, mind control yeah they're mind controlled i mean at least from what i saw with brainiac in the background uh hey mike how's it going oh was doing great thanks for having me yeah no problem uh right now we're talking about the suicide uh suicide squad video game and uh, the fact that Suicide awesome. Squad is going to be hunting down the Justice League, uh, you guys think they're going to kill them? Like, is that going to be the goal of the the thing? Are we going to essentially do Deadpool kills the Marvel Universe? Is that <laughs> what this is? Feels like it has to be based on what we saw. As far as you know, them, uh, uh, I feel like that's not a Suicide Squad game if you're not actually killing anyone. Right. Right. And so. <laughs> that the big turn is going to be, oh, we have discovered that Brainiac is in control mm -hmm. of Justice Leaguers and there's some implant or whatever that he put in there. So we're going to have to fight the Flash. We're going to have to fight Green Lantern and pull the implant out of their heads or whatever. To, it's going to be nice and bloody and gory. And then we're going to have to go after, you know, Brainiac and probably some, some ancillary villains uh, around Brainiac and maybe kill them. I'm yeah. I'm predicting Parasite. I'm predicting Metallo. So yeah, let's do it. Yeah. Um. I hope there's more than just those four characters to play. I mean, they look great and they look amazing, but I just would love a full stable of Suicide Squad characters. Uh, yeah, I'm not gonna lie. When I was watching it and listening to the gameplay, uh, I immediately jumped to Marvel's Avengers, and if it's going to be somewhere like that, where other characters will be introduced, like as it's out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean they're gonna want to monetize it, so I figure they're gonna be putting out more characters, and yeah. Yeah. PS4 exclusive and 64 Superman. Maybe that'll be. <laughs> Wait. The what? worst video oh game God. ever. So so with the Avengers beta. PS4 players get the Sony exclusive Spider-Man, yeah, which pisses off everybody on Xbox and PC yeah. because it was like game of the year. So I loved yeah. the response to like what they should do about it. Just get a PlayStation. Yeah. <laughs> Duh. I mean, yeah, that's, guys, that's true. Like in the twilight of its running. I mean, the fact is, like, Spider-Man is a PlayStation exclusive game. Like, it doesn't surprise me that Spider-Man the character would be a PlayStation exclusive character. Right. That doesn't surprise me. So like, oh, I know, you know, Before it is what it is. Call, Dimitri was, or someone was talking about how they were happy that Frank Lawton uh, Deadshot was, yeah. is the black version of Deadshot that they yeah. made sure yeah. to, uh, yeah. to, to, to keep the, 
the race change from the original Suicide Squad movie. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. I mean, I like that. Also, like, I, I don't know. Yeah. I personally like it. I like, I don't think Floyd Lawton needs to be white. Mm. And Will Smith yeah. obviously played him. And I had no problem with the way Will Smith played Floyd Lawton. So, okay. Great. You know, it is what it is. You know? Yeah. There's nothing inherently white about that character. No. Right. No. Uh, I agree. I agree. Uh, there are certain characters that need to be white, but I think they're that that pool is way less than the pool that we think needs to be white. You know, <laughs> less than the pool that fanboys think need to be white. Yeah, white <laughs> flames. One. The Coke '80s <laughs> character needs to be white. Oh, I mean, yeah. you can even redo it though. Like, there's the there was the racist version of Bloodsport, and we have the other version in in the new uh, in, yeah movie. SS. Yeah. <laughs> I can think of only one character in all of fiction that I think uh, has an inherent whiteness to them, and it is a character who was announced at DC Fandom is going to get a comic book series where they become black or where they where they have a black. Is it Batman? I think Batman has an inherent whiteness about him, and I think it comes from the privilege of of being so raised raised in such a sheltered way that when they get to the age of 12, that didn't know the crime existed. Uh, <laughs> yeah, my guess was ultra-humanite. I thought he was going to be. Well, yeah. I mean, sure. I, but I think that there is, there is an inherent whiteness to the concept of Batman. And I think that you could make the character female, you can make the character uh, queer or trans in any way that you want to. I do think that there is a whiteness to the concept of Batman, and I'm really interested to see what the POC person of color version of that's Batman reinterpreted. Does yeah. that apply to all of the Bat family to you, or just Batman? No, just just Bruce Wayne. Just Bruce okay. Wayne, because it's like a legacy, right? So if it happens in our history, we know how systemic uh, like inheritance works. Because mm -hmm. like, what would be the um, Rockefeller, like a black Rockefeller family? Or right. any other family, well, you know. Yeah. Which, by the way, yeah. is one of the things that I find so interesting about the character of Icon in the Marvel universe, because there's the part of the creation of Icon is this is a conservative black man, meaning a politically conservative Republican black man, and he is our version of Superman. There's so many things that that book is saying about comics and society and and uh, and first and also black culture in America at that time. I think there's just so much in that book, and I'm so excited to see Milestone back. Uh, before we move on to, uh, well, Batman-related topics, uh, I just wanted to, 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 in my belief, I think that the one character, I mean, there's a couple characters that need to be white, but I think one is Superman. I think that Superman always needs to be white, and that's because I believe that the, uh, it, it, it's a skeptical view, uh, or a more cynical view on the world. Uh, uh, a uh, Superman of color would not be accepted the way that white Superman oh, sure. would be accepted, and would, we'd be shoot. We'd be talk. we we would have people on their rooftops trying to shoot Superman out of the sky. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, that's by the way the the first three issues of Icon, which I just reread. Oh yeah, I was excited about all this milestone stuff. I just read Icon for the first time. That happens in the first three issues. He shows up to save to stop like a bank robbery or something, and the cops start shooting at him. And right. Rocket literally looks at him like, I bet this never happens to Superman. Yeah. Oh I think God. I definitely think that says something about Superman, but I yeah. personally think that the base character of Superman is about immigration. 
I think Superman is about an immigrant story. Obviously, it's created by two Jewish refugees. Well, they weren't refugees. They were it's born. the Moses story. It's the Moses story, exactly. It's about, uh, it's, it, it's about uh, Im an immigrant who makes good in this new society and assimilation. And I definitely think that that character can be Latinx or Black or really any race. And I still think that there's an inherent thing to but I think, But I think you've hit on, on the thing, the assimilation. The assimilation, ah. You, you said it. We got yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> is is kind of also key, and it's one thing that uh, oh god, who was it? Greg Ewan when he did the Superman versus the Clan, that was one of the big points that he made in that is that the Clan people were basically saying, "Well, Superman, you don't believe it." He goes, he goes, "Are you kidding me? You have more in common with these Asian people than you do me. I'm an actual alien." Yeah. Right. Yeah, I mean, I think that whenever you change one of those things, you have to reinterpret you have uh, to. where they're from. I feel like any character that can happen to you, though, like there was that great uh, DC animated universe movie where you had the uh, Latino Superman and basically like how that affected things or if you got someone monsters. else. Uh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And you have, uh, you know, the uh, alternate multiverse Superman where it's basically Obama as Superman. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. you, ha you can I think that those uh, it's obviously a different context, but I think that there's something core to who Superman is that's still there in those characters. Oh, yeah, I agree. Uh, I do think, though, that Batman needs to cover his face uh, if he's colored. I, I, I saw I saw a, a meme. I saw a meme recently, just really quick. I saw a meme saying that, like, the reason that Batman has his mouth uncovered is to show the cops that he's white. It's okay. Yeah. Don't shoot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know. And, and, um, and touched on that in the in the Watchmen miniseries on HBO. And I was like, oh, yeah. that, is, that is brilliant. Oh, yeah. 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 Major so. twist there uh, for anyone who hasn't watched the Watchmen TV show. Watch. Watch the Watchmen. Watched Who watches the Watchmen? You should be watching <laughs> the Watchmen. Um, let's talk about the the, the Batman uh, the Batman uh, trailer and Matt Reeves talking for half an hour about how his vision is his vision and it bored the fuck out of me. Um, Man, I'm glad I missed him talking. Did I you? Did you? The, yeah, I caught the Robert Pattinson intro, and then I had to like go do a thing, and then I came back for the trailer, um, and then I was like, "Oh, I can watch it this morning," and then I never did. So, yeah, it you didn't like watch. Further... You didn't watch the trailer at all. No, I did watch the trailer. Oh, okay. I saw the trailer and I saw Robert Pattinson's intro, which, by the way, he seemed like really drunk or really high, um, <laughs> or that's just his weird personality. But I was like, man, weird personality. Yeah, I think he's just a goth. Okay. Method acting, little Nicky, possibly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Matt Reeves was like Werner Herzog if he was nerdier and uninteresting. <laughs> I, 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 I got so I was so much less interested in Matt Reeves hearing him talk than I have like reading him. Like his whole affect is uh, is like you know just like a generic white director dude. But yeah. like I'm still interested in the movie. Mustache. But it was not he did not give a lot of insight. It felt very uh, you know I, I think that the the bigger you get as far as movie goes, the more uh, polished and produced and restricted they get make you be. So maybe it's some of that. Yeah. I felt like that the first panel of Wonder Woman. And the last panel of Batman were both maybe the least insightful, but you know, yeah. great trailers, great movies. It's just uh, you know that the studios get very uptight about those characters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, how'd you guys feel about the trailer? I loved it. It was. Really I liked good. it. Yeah. And, and I, I like it. Yeah. 
everybody, I, everybody liked it. <laughs> I mean, I feel like the one thing that I didn't like about it was I feel like I, I didn't feel what was new that much in this from like the Nolan Batman. Yeah. I, I watched it. I was like, this seems like another good Nolan Batman movie. Uh, and I, I, I was, it feels like it's even more, you know, it's like even more gritty, but that's what every Batman movie reboot is from the Batman 89. It was like, well, now we have a dark Batman. And then it was Nolan. It's like, now we have a dark Batman. I, I think and Joker look, was the grittiest and dirtiest we've seen like a Gotham B, right? Mm -hmm. Sure. And then um, oh, I have right. a problem with Batman punching a random goon. And then while the goon is, I'm assuming, unconscious, he keeps punching him. And then they're like filming him with his phone. And I'm like, ah, oh, why can't it be like he punches the guy, the guy starts to seize. And then one of the goons goes, oh, dog, he's he's epileptic. And the Batman's like, oh, shit, I, I'm sorry. And then like he had like a Batman year one, like, there's actually responsibility with this power. Right. Well, I'm wondering if that's where that, they're going to be going that, to. Like, hopes. That's what this movie is going to be. This movie is going to be him developing his and taking the task for the overt brutality. Because yeah. he really fucked that guy up. Um, yeah. I have, I, my, my thought going into the, or after watching the trailer is that like, as I think the movie is going to be great. I think that like, if it has a detective story, we're not going to get that level of intrigue from a trailer until we like go through the process of a mystery right like right. that's just the way it is gil was it you who posted about the batman roadster or like the bat yeah yeah so uh you know like thing i think a lot of the conversation of the people that i'm involved with on facebook was exactly what you guys are saying it looks like more of the same it looks like nolan only more so um, and I, I really get that. And someone like described it looking like seven, which I was kind of like, look, I'm, I'm on board with that as well. Um, the, the thing that has been sticking out to me ever since the very first image of Pattinson as Batman, and it really was driven home to me by muscle car Batmobile in, uh, in the trailer here was going back to the, uh, the rockabilly Batman art that we saw a few years ago you know the dc bombshells version of the batman villains that's what it looked like to me it looked very rockabilly it looked very 50s 60s um in terms of aesthetic and maybe that's just like kind of a shade of it maybe that's not going to be super in your face but i did really feel that here i don't know if anyone else felt that too and that to me gave it enough of a different aesthetic that i was like i really want to see what they do with that yeah, yeah, I think it kind of reminded me a little bit of like the the Batmobile from the White Knight miniseries a little bit, which has some of that hot rod aesthetic to it. Um, I, I think that the thing I'm curious about is how grounded it ends up being and how much of a uh, you know Batman movie it feels like. And you know, I think like you said, if it's a if it's a seven movie, I think that's great. Uh, that version of the Riddler looks really interesting. Yeah. Um, but it, it's uh, you know at the same time feels like. Uh, it's it's what else is heightened about this world other than Batman um, is one thing I'm sort of curious to see. But again, also they only shot 25% of the thing, so right. they clearly have all those villains. Yeah. You know, those villains are being very theatrical yep. uh, in their ways, even if they're a little more serial killery. Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, you're right. It's 25% of the movie, so it's complete wait and see. Uh, before we got on, we were all talking about the, the the little glimpse of the penguin, or who we assume is the penguin from the. You know that it is? Yeah. Yeah. Right. People talk about this is Colin Farrell as, as yeah. the penguin. What was crazy to me is noticing the scar that goes across his face 
right here, there's like a scar. And I don't know how that plays into the penguin's deformation, who he is, because he looks, he, you know, he doesn't look like Colin Farrell, but he certainly doesn't look like Danny DeVito playing the penguin. Right. He looks like a very specific uh, kind of goon with a scar across his face. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm excited for this movie and Colin Farrell is a penguin. Uh, I was talking about it earlier. I was afraid that he would not have prosthetics because there was a the behind the scenes shot of him without prosthetics saying that like, oh, he's just going to be like pretty boy Colin Farrell penguin. Like he's just going to be Colin Farrell as like uh, in Grindelwald, you know, and like Harry <laughs> Potter oh, in the Harry Potter universe. Like, oh, that's going to be penguin. You know what I mean? Yeah. That like aesthetic. <laughs> uh, and I'm glad we're not getting that. Uh I, I, have a, I have a worry. Is Batman, are, are Batman properties just getting seriouser and seriouser? Like, are they just getting more and more serious to the point where, like, after this Pattinson, like, let's just say a Pattinson trilogy, it's going to be like, let's make it even more grounded. And, like, <laughs> like. Snyder wanted, Snyder wanted Bruce Wayne to get raped in prison. Like, that's. <laughs> like i think where people want it to go or at least uh, filmmakers think they need to go darker and darker with it every time in order to up the game yeah because i want a comic book batman like that's yeah that's the batman that i yeah. want like i want a batman with his bat family and like let's show that and I want, like an old school like, want, like a gray suit batman i'd love to see like just like lighten it up a little bit yeah. i want the bat cave to sit mm -hmm. right there I want the giant T-Rex, the giant playing card, the giant penny bat cave. Yeah. And like, don't it. give us the origin story over and over again. Just no, let us, let no. us move on. Please. No, as a matter of fact, if the first shot were just, were just like, like an over the shoulder shot of him, like getting out of the Batmobile, beat to shit, walking through that bat cave yes. to the computer console, oh. that would just be, I, I could die and go to heaven. Giant computer. What, yeah. what do you think? Why do you think he needs a giant monitor? Like, is the giant what? monitor better than a regular? Giant monitor? <laughs> the buttons are big too, so he types right. like with one finger because his gloves don't allow for ergonomical right. maximum right. words per minute. Not right. that he's probably using it because he has a disk drive on there to analyze oh, blood and hair. And this, is, this is why I think the Schumacher Batman get Batman and Robin gets way too harsh of like judgment. Like I, he was going for that older, campy, comic book. Ver like version of it and for some reason unfortunately that just didn't register well but I as a kid enjoyed it like I as an adult still enjoy it like yeah the acting's not great but it's still fun like it's yeah and I think there's also room between uh, ultra gritty and Joe Schumacher, you know, like yeah. we like like the classic Christopher Reeve Superman, like do like a Batman with that kind of spirits to it. And yeah. yeah, it's like he's like a little darker. He, uh, you know, is is street level, but I think you can still have, uh, you know, that hope and uh, something else going on there than just he's going to you know punch bad guys real good. Yeah, <laughs> right. I, think, I think you could have a Batman more along the lines of the Batman 89, but just with a director who understood how story worked. 
Um, and <laughs> I, I am really excited though. This is like a, a back to like the detective Batman, which actually that was yeah. my favorite. The one thing I really liked in Batman v Superman is there's like a scene where uh, Bruce goes to a party and meets Wonder Woman, and it's actually him doing a little detective work. Yeah. And I, I'm glad to finally get a movie that is like feels like it's going to be one long uh, him solving a crime, which is is yeah. a cool thing that doesn't get done in the movies uh, as much yeah. as I'd love to see. I want to point out, if you go look at that trailer, the first minute of that trailer is they're at a crime scene and and Commissioner Gordon is like, well, now, now Batman comes in, right? Like, yeah. Consultant Batman. Yeah. And, and yeah. That, felt, that felt very comic booky to me. That yeah. felt yeah. very like standard Batman. I don't think we've seen that in a Batman yeah. movie. Probably yeah, that's since, true. Probably since Batman Forever where, you know, Pat Hingle was like, well, what do you think, Batman? <laughs> <laughs> you know, but it, but this is clearly like slightly the more serious version of that, which I I think that we're there. I think that it's going to be. Yeah. Uh, I guess what we're, we were talking about is like the aesthetic versus the story. I think the aesthetic yeah. feels uh, a little familiar to me, but I think that there's room in that story to be something very different and original. Oh, I yeah. like that it's like year one. It's or sorry, it's year two. <laughs> so we don't have to deal with the the origin story anymore. Right. It is sort of in the era of Long Halloween, and I know it's a lot of it's going to be based on Long Halloween. Um, and I, I just love that it's like okay, so it's it's amateur Batman, but it's not origin story Batman. I think that's right. a really good place to put a movie. In. Yeah, and I'm also hyped for the HBO Max spinoff show they're doing. So yeah, I'm very excited cool. for that stuff. Um, yeah. yeah, the the Gotham PD show, mm -hmm. and then also rumor has it that Catwoman will also get her HBO Max show. So yeah. the fact is, Zoe is that Kravitz. they're gonna, yeah, Zoe Kravitz. They're gonna use this movie budget because HBO does shows on like a movie budget, right? Yeah. Like HBO does it right, and so you're gonna still be able to explore Gotham with those same actors and tell new stories off of these spinoff shows, and yeah, like that's like I'm excited for that. Yeah. That's like is what there... they tried to do with Agents of Shield. They just didn't have the movie budget, so they couldn't right. they couldn't bring those actors in. But yeah, or the cooperation got... of the studio. Or... Yeah, the cooperation. Is big. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's and I I will say that, that that is probably true because I noticed last time I was in the comic shop that they've re-released uh, a trade of the Gotham Central uh, comic. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And like a big hefty phone book size. So I think it's every issue. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, and I love that. I love that. Yeah, that's a great I series. Hoping, I was hoping Gotham would be yeah. that. That's what I thought it was yeah. going to be. I, that's one thing I was concerned about when they started talking about, oh, we're, we're going to do this, uh, uh, you know, the police are going to be like dirty cops. And that's sort of the word that's going around is like, I'm like, that's getting a little close to the, the Gotham PD from Gotham. But I'm I'm hoping Oof. that they, they go more toward the Gotham Central direction and, yeah. uh, you know, from like more grounded and yeah. Um, body count well, and just dealing with the idea that you got these cops these regular kind of beat cops or patrol cops that every now and then get blasted with a freeze ray you know that that's that's <laughs> what these guys are up against they're not right. up against you know meth addicts or you know gangsters they're up against people that have freeze ray guns yeah. or venom <laughs> pumping through their veins yeah, yeah. or yeah. kirk langstrom pooping his man batness on yeah. your <laughs> pd car um, like yeah, but they're on the take. I thought it would be funny to have that scene in one of these things. Like, <laughs> like, oh, what? Batman, bat. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Damn yeah. it, Langstrom. Um, yeah. 
Uh, just really quick topics before we, we move on. Uh, the Gotham Knights... Uh, 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 the Gotham Knights video game is to me what Batman is all about. So like, I'm very excited for that video game. I don't want to go too far into, uh, uh, I don't want to talk about it too much. Just like, uh, I don't know. I'm excited for it. We don't have much time to talk about that, but like, where's Tim Drake? You know, where, where, where's my boy, Red Robin? Uh, he is in the gameplay footage with yeah. Batgirl, but he's not in the beginning like that trailer with the four of them. Right. And yes, I'm a big fan of Tim Drake and it so sucks I that assume, he wasn't there. I assume that the Drake, the red Robin outfit is going to be an alternate outfit for Damien. Yeah. That's I, what was, I, I, was, I was wondering if it was going to be, yeah. A Robin transforming rather than anything else. Like, uh, a, like an alternate skin. Yeah. But his, his logo, his logo is Tim Drake's logo. Cause Tim Drake has a very unique logo. And so the logo that they showed for that, so who knows? You know, figure. I think that it just goes to prove that Dan DiDio was right when he wanted to kill Dick Grayson. Because <laughs> that was the whole point, right? He was like, these generations are bumping up against each other and eventually it doesn't work anymore. You can't have, like, the three Robins are all between the ages of 20 and 15 or whatever. Like, or the four. The, there <laughs> the are four, four of them, technically. There are four Robins. I think Dick Grayson is supposed to be 25, let's say. So between yeah. the ages of 25 and 13, there are four Robins, and they all Plus, are... Spoiler was briefly Robin. Like, everybody was spoiler, Robin. Spoiler yeah. was the same age as Dan. But yeah, yeah. for sure. Um, but Dan DiDio I... was right. Well... <laughs> Put that on a t-shirt. They try to compress that timeline into the new 52, and it all takes place in a five-year span. It's that like, makes no sense whatsoever. No, oh. Uh, speaking about what makes no sense whatsoever is the Titans TV show, which I don't <laughs> want to talk about because I'm going to talk about it forever. Uh, but the fact is, is that like, I don't know. I, I, I don't, I don't want to talk about it. Never mind. Titans. <laughs> I, I'm going to well, watch it. I'm going to watch, watch it, it because is I'm going to. Is it easier to know. ask who liked it? Who likes the show? Who likes the show? Because I, I watch like it. it. I watch it. I don't like, I like it. Like. I like parts I like. of it. I mean, I think it like it went so deep canon for me that is what sort of like kept me into it, even if I didn't like a bunch of their choices and some of the aesthetic. Uh, I thought that you know just seeing like Jason Todd and then like like multiple levels of Robin in a TV show kind of blew my mind a little bit. Yeah. Um, and like seeing Hawk and Dove on TV uh, was like I'm like sure I'll 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 check this out. Like I don't like what you're doing there, but it's uh, there's some interesting things. I yeah. haven't seen it. Did Sally Jupiter show up? No. Why? Because <laughs> that's that's deep Titans lore, Sally yeah, Jupiter. Yeah, true. Wait, how's Sally Jupiter deep Titans lore? Oh, uh, Mr. Jupiter's daughter, Sally Jupiter. Yeah, different. Yeah. Wait, what? Yeah. You're gonna have to Wikipedia this. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. Now, see, I, and I'm kind of on board with it just because, mm. you know, I, again, I always look at these things as Elseworlds tales, anyway. <laughs> yeah, all these but TV it, movies are always Elseworlds but it's a bad Elseworlds it's, yeah it's a shitty Elseworlds tale I, mean, like, I think the, the problem with Titans is it falls in that uncanny valley of being like real close to the comics and you get excited but not close enough yeah, uh, and then I, also it's not so different that like Gotham is like just went off and did it's own crazy thing eventually so I yeah. was wrong it's not Sally Jupiter it's Lilith's Jupiter Lilith's Jupiter is who I was yeah, thinking yeah, yeah. of. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. Yeah. Look, Superboy let Donna Troy die. Okay? Spoiler. Yeah. I'm sorry. He should have been able to catch that 
and she should have not been electrocuted to death. That was the dumbest thing ever. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, no. Moving on past Titans. Um, uh, let's, Commissioner let's, Barbara Gordon. What? Commissioner Barbara Gordon. Yeah, Commissioner Barbara Gordon. I don't know. Anyway, there's a lot of weird things coming out in Titans next season, and, uh, you know, it is what it is. Um, <laughs> uh, you guys want to talk about Milestone uh, real quick before we move on? Yes. Because I know that, yeah. you know, there are Milestone fans. Um, they they got a panel together to talk about doing a static uh, movie. And they're re-releasing trades of those uh, past Milestone comics. And they were talking about the impact of Milestone. Uh, what do you, what, what's to come for Milestone? Uh, Gil, I know that you had some opinions. Yeah, I mean, it looks like they're doing uh, a relaunch. Um it seems like it's going to be its own line. They're starting with milestone with a book called Milestone Number Zero or Milestone Zero. Um, it seems like it's going to be a little bit of a separate line still, but it's still going to have a milestone imprint. Personally, if it's me, I really go hard into incorporating those characters into the DCU because I think that's really the only way to give them longevity and, and give them deep roots in the comics. But I get that there's still some aspect of those characters that's creator-owned, so I think um, they might have some difficulty doing that. I'm just really glad to see those characters again and see yeah. what, new, what new characters they can add to it. I finally, I just recently read Icon, which I was a huge fan of. Uh, I've always loved Static. I love that Static and Rocket were included in the Young Justice TV series. Um, you know, clearly we need more BIPOC characters throughout the DCU and um, and yeah it's just such a great resource of that you know including like hardware and blood syndicate and all of those characters yeah I mean the original line was so far ahead of its time like this was like a 90s series that DC went big on like they published yeah. so many different series they pushed it for like years across over with the main universe uh, and it was uh, really, really something special, and it they keep talking about Milestone reboots for years now, and it feels like it's finally happening. Uh, I'm a little concerned with how much how much room do they give it to to go? You know, is this you know do they give them a couple months? Do they give them do they give them a year? Like or or you know do they like a few months in if it's not selling is it cut? Um, you know, given given how much the cutbacks at DC have been happening lately yeah. on the comic side, uh, I'm I'm a little scared for this. Uh, I think it's a bad look for them if they cancel it too fast, but I also wouldn't put it past them. Yeah, uh, I, I hope that. Also, I, I'm not really too optimistic about the future of the DC universe being as connected going forward either. Given how many different, uh, you know, books that are being launched, that they're just like this is in its own continuity. This is in its own continuity, and so I. I I don't know if they will root it in the DC universe. I'd love to see them do it, but it's uh, I, I expect it'll probably for for a while at least be its own thing. I agree with everything you said. I I, <laughs> I think if you look at the if you look at the origins of it, um, it was the um, milestone universe was always kind of supposed to be its own thing, uh, and the fact that it briefly crossed over into the DCU was kind of always like a special event type of thing. So, yeah, I think I think the future of Milestone, as always, as it always has been, is uncertain. Um, I, I would love for it to be its own thing, because I think that's important that 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 these Milestone creators can kind of have their own universe to play around in that's not connected with the DCEU. 
I can see why the impulse would be to do it, like you say, to get it some heft, but I think it needs to develop that heft on its own to be viable. I'd love to see them give them one of those YA books that's a milestone book too. I think that that would show a real commitment to it. And since that's the growth market, like let them, let let like a young, like buy POC kids see themselves in the story. And then you can have the comics. I think think there's so much potential for this. And I hope that they, they, they give them the room to do it. Yeah. Um, Generally across the DC universe, there should be more diversity. Well, yeah. And I think that, you know, Obviously, I think that the moment we're living in really lit the fire under DC to be like, hey, look, we have this well of characters. I know that they've been in negotiations for a long time, but I think seeing like, hey, we have this well of characters that we can bring in kind of automatically, and it already like basically doubles the number of BIPOC characters that are, <laughs> that are of star level within the DCU. I'm really happy that, you know, in the new Injustice series that they put Amazing Man front and center because there was a time when the lore around Amazing Man was that he was the first superhero, by the way. That was, for a long time, that was the lore of that character. Um, it's I just think uh, it's something important for them to feature, and I totally get what you're saying like that's where the dc universe is or the dc line is generally is every book kind of for itself um but i think you know having hardware or icon permanently part of the the justice league i think the only good can come of that yeah yeah i'm i'm just uh before we move on i'm just afraid of dc comics being able to stay afloat regardless so I was joking for the last two weeks that the big announcement from DC Fandom was going to be the end of comic book publishing. Yeah. Uh, for good. That, that was my joke, but I kind of meant it seriously. Like, they, they're they already scaling the line back by 25%. They fired a whole bunch of people, a whole bunch of editorial. Yeah. yeah. It's, so. it's shaky times. It, um, and I did think <clears throat> somebody got snarky on, you know, my Superman homepage, uh, you know, Facebook page. It's like, where were the actual comics on DC Fandom? And I was like, Milestone and Sandman were about it. It bummed well, the heck out that they moved all the second stage stuff out yeah. to a separate events. You know, yeah. I actually think it was probably because the developers didn't finish that interface because, right. like, they changed the language on the site to be like, you know, the, the thing will be in a few weeks and it, it'll, you'll get to it from the scheduler instead of, like, this whole uh, yeah. interactive thing. So I, I, yeah. it's a bummer, though, that they, they just were like, well you can get to it when we get to it yeah it has <laughs> right. to be an interface issue um and yeah. also they probably realize that they're going to get better numbers when people don't have to choose between right. side stage and main stage right and it's the yeah. internet it's not comic-con let's not do fake competition right let's not like <laughs> yeah like to, to to boost numbers it's not going to boost numbers it's just going to hurt it's going to hurt right. people yeah, so, the model that Comic-Con had, which was, we are going to release each panel at the time that it's supposed mm-hmm. to be released, and you can watch it whenever you yeah. feel like it. I, went to, I watched more Comic-Con panels this year than I ever have in my life. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, there are a few of those panels that are coming in a few weeks that are really exciting and have really cool comic stuff. Like Damon Lindelof is interviewing Tom yeah. King about the new uh, uh, Watchmen comic because that's yeah. the rumor is that's set in the TV show continuity, which oh. I think is fascinating. Uh, and you know, I think that there are there are really exciting things that are going to be part of the next event. I hope that people actually tune in and see it because it doesn't have the big flashing movie stuff to pull people in, which is concerning. Uh, but it's it's I think there will still be cool announcements coming. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, 
I'm pretty sure that one one of the reasons why they waited besides the technical issue, I think, was the prime one. But also because, you know, they haven't quite dotted all the I's and crossed the T's on, for instance, Henry Cavill being back in the DCEU. And if they wait three weeks, they may have some firm, uh, some firm actual news about that. Yeah. So we'll see. But that's the uh, way the news cycle works anyway. You hold off three weeks, you're going to have new news of yeah. anything, right? So, yeah. I mean... I was Maybe. kind of baffled that just two days before fandom, they announced the whole, we're going to have the other Batman in uh, this upcoming Flash movie, but then we didn't even talk about that on the, right. the actual thing, because it's all right. pre-taped. Uh, l- let's talk real quick about the Flash movie. Uh, uh, Ezra Miller playing the Flash, doing a Flashpoint movie. Uh, he gets a new suit that's designed by Bruce Wayne. In the picture, it's the Michael Keaton Bruce Wayne. Who knows if that's who designs the suit. Um do you guys think that this movie is going to be made? Because they've been <laughs> trying to get this back. movie made for years. And I don't know. I'm not a fan of Ezra Miller per se as the Flash. Like uh, as a person? Uh, yeah, I guess as a person. As an actor, like, he has certain chops. I don't think he could play any character known to man. Um, but yeah, him choking out a fan, uh, if you guys saw that video recently. Yeah. They're going to shoehorn in a storyline where it's like, to use the cosmic treadmill, you have to put on this ankle bracelet that monitors your speed <laughs> and channels the speed force. And here's your, your uh, not bailiff, your parole officer you have to call. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Um, yeah. I'm not a big fan of Ezra Miller. Uh, I don't think, especially with Grant Gustin Flash, like I'm all about Grant Gustin Flash when... Um, when I forget who said it was like Ezra Miller was born to play the Flash, my immediate thought was no, Grant Gustin was born to play the Flash. Like Ezra <laughs> yeah. Miller just looks like a dirty version of like someone's cosplay, like bad right. cosplay. Right. I did think that he was the most fun thing in Justice League, oh, which sure. is yeah. saying yeah. a lot. But okay, uh, I think that there's there's something to say for him. I mean, I, I love the TV show version more. I love Grant Gustin. Uh, and it's a bummer that they, they decided not to connect with TV and, and movie universes. But I, I do, although they did with the Flash crossover briefly, so who knows. Um, but I, I think the movie's going to happen. I'm a little bummed out it's Flashpoint. Like, we already had a TV version of Flashpoint. Uh, like, it's, I get that they're using it to reset things. Um, I'm curious to see what they turn Flashpoint into. Um, I, I do like Christina Hansen as a screenwriter. She did the, the Bumblebee movie, and she's uh, she's a really good writer. Um, so I think that gives me some hope about where they're going with it. But uh, but yeah, I think that it is. I'm I'm much more excited about how it ties into everything else than Ezra Miller as a star. Although the yeah. new costume's good, though. I like the new costume yeah. better. Yeah, I, I the new costume looks good. I would say this is my theory generally about comic book movies, just kind of as a big umbrella thing. Um, comics are are a serialized medium, right? So if you're going to, to adapt it, television just generally makes more sense as a, yeah. as a one-to-one adaptation. Yeah. When you make these movies, so many of these movies are origin stories because that fits with movie story structure, right? Yeah. And so what you end up getting is, you know, the Nolan movies are, there's two movies of origin story, and then instead of, like, 
the fun middle story where Batman just fights the Mad Hatter someplace. You got to skip <laughs> the ending where he's got the broken broken back and stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. you, you skip from origin story to ending all the time. And they did the same thing with X-Men, right? It's yeah. nine movies, like nine origin story movies, nine, <laughs> by the way, of just where they're not the X-Men yet for nine movies. And then they skip ahead to Logan, and they're like, oh, yeah, and somewhere in between there, they were the X-Men. And yeah. that's what I feel like with the DCEU is like, um, you know, it's the same. Thing. So Man of Steel, origin story, and then Death of Superman. You, yeah. can't, you can't have anything in between. You can't have him fight Metallo or mix Spitlick or anything. And that's how I feel about The Flash. You got kind of an origin story in Justice League. And then we got to fast forward to, Par- to um, uh, Flashpoint. Because you can't have anything in between there, and that's I think the, the stakes big, definitely need to be alive. well, well, and of course the other again the behind the scenes on that is that somebody is that you know the audience response to the Snyderverse was not good, and so somebody mentioned probably Jeff Johns mentioned well if you if you want to reset anything, you can always use the Flash movie to do that and just call yep. it Flash. Yeah. So that's, <laughs> that's why it's happening. Even Justice League was setting up Crisis on Infinite Earths. Like that was that was the thing they were setting up in the in the movie itself. Were yeah. they? Was it a dream? No. What do you What do you mean, Crisis on Infinite Earths in Justice League? You know the moment where he comes back and Lois is the key to everything. And- oh, okay. Uh, yeah, I don't know. There, there's so many. <sighs> Something made me think about the Justice League movie where it was like. The Justice League movie is about a bunch of reluctant loners coming yeah. together to make a team. And I was trying I'm trying to compare it to Avengers, and I don't feel like the Avengers are a bunch of reluctant loners that come together to create the Avengers. And right. I think right. the Avengers works better because of it, because these aren't just a bunch of assholes coming <laughs> together with that have no friends and nothing better to do than to like solve the destruction right. of their planet like the yeah, avengers the first have too. lives yeah like the first avengers to make them fight they had to like influence them with like a magic staff right like they, yeah. they're used to working with teams all the marvel movies they have their own really strong supporting casts yeah movies like it's their their supporting casts are mostly like you know either telling them don't use your powers or show them to anyone or yeah. you know they're 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 just there as part of the the background noise but they never get like deep relationships with the main heroes yeah and well, maybe yeah, that's just that, would, that wouldn't be dark and gritty enough yep exactly you know what's dark and gritty and doesn't have an origin story really is the boys like you just have the group all there and they're fucking assholes well, yeah, yeah, you have like a new guy joining it, but you don't need to to have the origin, right? Yeah, you even have an Aquaman. Right. That's um, like how the the X Men cartoon was so great because you started with Jubilee joining an already in progress awesome team, and right. like just yeah. give us one of those movies. Like, don't worry about telling us who everybody is, what they do. Just let us see them be cool. Yeah, yeah. that's Kill really the point I was making: origin yep. story and ending, and that those yeah. are the two kinds of movies that they can make anymore. And one of the great things about the Marvel uni- the Marvel Cinematic Universe, is that it's a it's a movie TV show. It is, yeah. you know, Ed, this yeah. every season finale is an Avengers movie, but everything in between that is an episode of a television show. And one of the great things that they do is insinuate that there's a life between movies. They insinuate that there's adventures going on between those movies. And I don't think the DC Universe has ever done that. It's no. always like Batman goes from this world-shattering crisis to this world-shattering crisis. And, like, goes into hibernation in between. 
Like yeah. he has no life between these crises. Um, some uh, an interesting panel that ties into my my like whole view on DC fandom, where they're 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 showing us a menu for like items that the chefs haven't even cooked yet and like don't even know how to cook. Oh, uh, this metaphor again. <laughs> yes, this metaphor. Uh, my, I don't know whether Mike, I don't think Mike was here when I was talking about that. Uh, it's just not. like, it's like, I don't know. Anyway, the point being is the Black Adam panel where it's like we have no footage other than The Rock telling us it's going to be awesome and he's hyping it up like a like a wrestling character, which is <laughs> The Rock. Animatic, you know? That beautiful, uh, that beautiful animated comic thing. Right. Scorpion King missing uh, storyboards. Right. That's what it <laughs> seemed like. And it was like, okay, The Rock, I'm going to give you 20 minutes to like hype up this movie that hasn't been shot. I doubt it's been written. Uh, we, we've, we've casted one person. We know kind of what the other characters are. And uh, it just seemed half-baked to me. Did you yeah. guys... Uh, <clears throat> I don't know. What'd you guys think I, about the Black Adam panel? I was really confused that they had the need to do panels like this and like the Captain Marvel 2 panel and, and like these panels that seem like these movies aren't coming anytime soon. Like even if it weren't for COVID, these movies wouldn't be coming anytime soon, but they're especially not coming anytime soon right now. Right. Uh, you know, I think that they felt like they wanted to launch DC fandom big. They're like, what can we get to fill this and like make people excited? They're like, uh, Black Adam, like The Rock cutting a promo on this, which, you know, I'm wrestling fan i'm fine with the rock cutting a promo on uh on superheroes uh but you know i think that it you don't you didn't need all of this uh i think it makes me also curious like will fandom be an annual thing or is it because they're looking at it as like a biannual thing like d23 where they want to like get all the announcements out and but i guess we'll see i don't know i think well, it's to assure it's to assure us that okay <laughs> again let me give you another metaphor the metaphor of like you asking your parents, are you guys getting a divorce? And your parents are like, no, no, of course not. We have like a vacation planned in like next year. We're go we're all going to Maui together. So of course we're not getting divorced. We, we already bought the tickets for this vacation. And like, that's what this seems to me. It's like, oh no, guys, DC is fine. We have all these projects lined up, but that aren't completely lined up. Honey, you know we pre-ordered. No yeah. Honey, we pre-ordered the kids. Well, no, <laughs> we, we, we pre-ordered all this vaporware that was at E3. So if you want another Duke Nukem or you well, want I an Anthem two. I still remember the Comic-Con where they announced like release years for like a cyborg movie right. and like things like that. So I, I think like this is at least, at least these projects feel a little closer to happening than that original plan. But I, I still, you know, if, if one of these falls apart, I would not be hugely surprised. Right, right, right. I, I, think I, it's... I think that's exactly it. They didn't have Comic-Con this year to announce any of this stuff. So that's why they invented the DC fandom. And I'm pretty sure that behind the scenes, at least Jim Lee knew what was going to be happening in the old offices there, yeah. as well as Warner Brothers itself going through its own big uh, firing, you know, bloodbath. But that said, JSA movie, a back yeah. backdoor JSA. Yes. We got 
Dr. Fate, we got Cyclone, we got Hawkman. Who else yeah. did we get? Anyone else besides Adam that? Smasher. Adam Smasher. There are only four of them. I was like, I was trying to figure oh, out like, how did they choose. Adam Smasher. Yeah, how they choose who went to the Stargirl show and how they chose who went to the, the movie. So no crossover between those two, which I thought was really interesting. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, I, Hawkman I, and Dr. Fate make sense with Black Adam, given the ancient Egypt uh, link. Yeah. But Adams yeah. and Adam Smasher makes sense because Black Adam was on a team with Adam Smasher when they like liberated Kandak in the comics. Right. Cyclone doesn't make any sense to me. That's I don't know. <laughs> we we need a woman on the team. <laughs> yeah. What's wrong with her grandma, my uncle? My uncle. <laughs> yeah. Can we get the real red tornado up in here, please. Right. I had to research because I had no idea who she was. Yeah. Um, uh, I will, so this is. At a very personal level, you know, the, a lot of the discussion of this time in our history has been about uh, actors playing characters who are not their race. I, I, I was about to, yeah, I want to hear Gil. Uh, I, I know where you're getting at. Yes. I don't know that you are. I think you're probably thinking about The Rock. No. I am, no. I'm thinking about Al Rothstein. Yes. Right? Yes. Adam Smasher not being played by either an ethnically or religiously Jewish person. Just, just putting it out there. I'm not yeah. mad about it. It's fine. The character's the character, but okay. I'm, you know, I'm, gonna, I, I'm jumping on this. that. I'm going to okay. jump on that real quick. The actor, Noah Centineo, he is a big Netflix, like... Uh, we lost you. We lost, we lost your... Unplugged. We lost your mic. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Yes. Yeah, he's a big yeah. Netflix something. Okay, yeah, he's a big Netflix heartthrob. Okay. Um, and, like... Okay, he's like the next big thing for like teen star kind of thing. That being said, I saw an interview on him recently, basically with like some Hispanic, uh, uh, like it was it was like a, a Latin media type interview talking because he's played Hispanic characters before where people think he's Hispanic and the actor is not, and that he defended that essentially he was saying that like. I heard you get more parts if you can say that you're Hispanic. I'll find the video, but I heard you can get more parts. If So I looked through my family tree at, at like our last names and I found that this last name was in Puerto Rico. So like, I think I'm part, I found out that I'm probably part Puerto Rican. And so blah, blah, blah. So this guy has a history cool. of pretending he is Hispanic to play Hispanic parts that yes, when, when it was, it, it was said that he would play Al Rothstein. I was like, this guy ain't Jewish either. Here's you know? the thing though, because I'm a big fan of the marvelous Mrs. Maisel and Mrs. Maisel of course is played by somebody who's not Jewish. Most it's, of the characters on that show are played by people who aren't Jewish. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. And, Very few uh, Jews on that show. Alex. <laughs> Yeah, there's a few, uh, but anyway. But I asked the question: does, yeah. You know, does it? Does, you know, and I, I said to my Jewish friends, "Does that matter?" And their almost universal response to me was that Jews have not had nearly the problem with representation in film and uh, television that other ethnicities have had. So she's great. She's fine. It's a it's a different conversation than the one we signed yeah. up for. Uh, but as a Jew, as a person who does is concerned about Jewish representation, I think that unlike people of color, I think when a person of color shows up on screen, 
that is their representation. Uh, and I think that a Jewish person and also queer people have to have some behavior. And by behavior, I mean for a Jew saying, hey, I'm a Jew, or a queer person saying, I am interested in someone of the same sex, you know, just literally saying that. Otherwise, they aren't, it's not really representation. You can have all of the, um, all of the, the, dog whistles that you want but unless a character says by the way i am jewish they're not jewish yet you know george costanza can be can have all the jewish tropes at him but he's still italian until he does something jewish i think the genre makes a huge difference on when it where it's represented so if you only have it as jews are only funny is the stereotype well that's because they can be represented in the you know comedic space yeah uh or only because you have to have american hyphen whatever you are to actually truly be represented otherwise you get conversations like oh um black widow is uh is a japanese woman and ghost in the shell and the japanese people are okay with it from japan and it's like yeah but that doesn't affect them it affects asians in america who right. have had someone right. just whitewash an opportunity now if there was equal space then the proportions would be easier and then there would be less reason to complain. But yeah, when these uh, roles are just being grabbed up and they go, well, Keanu Reeves is one quarter Chinese and you're like, <laughs> That's true. There's nothing, there's nothing stopping Jews from working in Hollywood or playing whatever character they want. You're not losing opportunity for white skinned Jewish actors, but the, because like on Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, because there's so few Jews in the creative process, you get stuff like the opening scene where she goes to a, a kosher deli and orders bacon in the very first scene. And you're like, there's, there's something not real about this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I had a friend who worked on Argo, and he's like, hey, uh, is this 1979? Are we in Iran? And then the, the PA was like, uh, yeah, no baseball bats. It's like, what? Yeah, there's no baseball in Iran right now. And then they gave him a speaking part on the movie. So, yeah. correction. Uh, I feel like this, I mean, I love talking about this. This is like a big meat and potatoes is like, where does geekdom and race uh, intersect? Where does yeah. representation intersect? Like, uh, But remember, this is also a movie where you have a Pacific Islander who's one of the biggest stars in the world playing an Egyptian man. Right. Is this okay? Maybe it's okay. Maybe it's not okay. It's not my place to say because I am neither Egyptian nor Pacific Islander. <laughs> right. You can raise the question. I, I, but yeah, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and raise the question. You know, I'll, and I'll, uh, that that's interesting because as, as uh, <laughs> this is such a huge topic uh, for me <laughs> as a Sri Lankan, uh, for me as a Sri Lankan, but then also Sri Lankans having a varied history of ethnic and colonial uh, uh, history, um, uh, where, where, uh, like there's never going to be a Sri Lankan part. So I don't know. Uh, uh, so I, I choose, this is a, this is a lot. Uh, it's a lot. I'm, I'm with okay. you. I'm with yeah. you on, on that, uh, with the rock and everything. Uh, I've always, uh, viewed the rock as like ethnically ambiguous. And I feel like I also love the rock. So I, <laughs> buy, I buy whatever he puts down, uh, but I you do have to take it from a from an angle of like, are you like with with Black Adam was there 
an actor that was denied the role or would be system systemically denied the role because I don't know. Yeah, it's super complicated. You know, as, yeah. as a mixed race person, it's like I'm never going to see somebody who is what I am on screen exactly. Like I, I, I and, you know, it's the same thing with The Rock. You know, he's half Pacific Islander, half black. And like he is, uh, you know, whenever mixed people show up on screen, there's always part of them that's usually getting erased. Um, so it, it's it, there's no easy answers to this and uh, to you know, on race, on gender, on, you know, uh, gender fluidity. Uh, but I, I think that it's nice to see Hollywood at least trying and getting a little bit closer each time. Yeah, yeah. I, I think and I think so far as a Black Adam movie getting made, it would not be getting made at all if it wasn't for The Rock. Yeah, the, for sure. Uh, I'll, I'll, because I'll... The, there are really good Egyptian actors out there. Yeah. We've seen them in other movies, um, but you couldn't put them in a Black Adam movie and and you know, spend millions and millions of dollars on it. Yeah. Uh, or at least on the promo. <laughs> uh, I want to I finish the episode talking about the Snyder Cut, but really quick idea that I once had when they announced that they were going to do a Shazam movie uh, is I wish that Shazam was The Rock and he played a good guy and that Billy Batson was a young brown kid and I... I I knew though that if that happened, people would like Shazam better than Superman, and Superman would almost cease to exist because The Rock, as a nice Shazam, would just corner that market where everybody loves him, and uh, Clark Kent would disappear. Anyway, that was just a, <laughs> a quick thought that I had, and I'm sorry, Steve, because Steve's a Superman fan, but I feel like he would check mark all the boxes that you would ever need, and uh, that could be a problem. Um, yeah. Snyder Cut. Uh, real quick to, to end this episode off with the Snyder Cut. Uh, <laughs> I, I have I have almost no opinions versus all the opinions on the Snyder Cut. Uh, does it need to happen? Does it not need to happen? Is anyone looking forward to it? Will it make up for any of the mistakes of the past? I don't know. Um, Justin, do you have any... Uh, relationship with the justice league movie versus Zack snyder versus snyder cut like any um, uh thoughts there? i mean yeah i mean i hated the justice league movie um i thought it was awful uh the pacing was bad the character relationships were not great um and i think a lot of that was because it was started by one person and then ended by another um you don't start writing the next great novel and then pause and then give it to another writer like that's just not that's, that's not how you do it right um God, there was something else that just happened oh it's like the end of game of, no not game of thrones there was something else that just happened that came out that did that and it ended up being awful and i, I don't mean, you're right the weiss brothers were terrible or not weiss brothers but <laughs> yeah the two showrunners of uh, uh game of thrones game of thrones yeah yeah um i'll remember it probably as everyone else is talking and i'll just jump in yeah. so i'm sorry to whoever i interrupt here in the future um <laughs> but, <laughs> um i'm looking forward to the snyder cut which is weird because i also am not a fan of snyder's versions of the other films that he's yeah. done either yeah. um i'm i'm i guess i'm just more excited to see what he did differently over um what we got yeah uh yeah that's, that's about it huh the trailer was terrible. It was. Yeah. 
the trailer looked horrible and bleak and and awful. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. I didn't watch the Batman on HBO Max. They had the Batman v Superman extended cut mm. up there for a while, and I, I expect them to bring it back closer to the release of the Snyder cut. That's what I'm probably going to be watching. I'm going to watch the extended cut of Batman v Superman and then the first episode of Justice League. That's now a mini series. Yeah. I'm all about it. I'm gonna watch. Uh, I'm gonna see what happens. But I assume that it's just gonna be. Uh, Zack Snyder leaning into his worst instincts. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, <laughs> I, I think I'm probably the closest on this call to being a Snyder fanboy. I'm not. I, I'm not. I didn't like uh, Man of Steel or Batman vs. Superman or Justice League, but I am very, very intrigued by him getting a chance to finish his movie. Um, I think that. Uh, it, I think that the idea of two directors on the same film is never going to work. It's, you know, it's the same, like the, the problem with adding Joss Whedon, and there's a lot of complaints that, you know, Ray Fisher, the actors brought forward against him and uh, about how, how that was handled. So I, I don't know what the truth with it is, but I do think that letting him finish the vision will be really interesting. I think he seems genuinely passionate about it, which I, I like, and I think is, uh, going to produce something interesting. I think that he's actually a really strong visual storyteller. I think that his problem comes in the the really writing. I think that like you know yeah. he did such like picture perfect adaptations of you know 300 and did the uh, uh, you know our, our, we, when he did Watchmen like you know there are a lot of problems with that movie but it looks like the comic in interesting ways um, and I think that uh, there is something cool also about the fact that it was fan love for this thing that shouldn't exist that made it exist um which i'm kind of excited about and 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 sort of shows possibility and shows people are listening um so you know i i think I, i'm also curious to see how he does it says he says he's not going to use any of the footage that whedon shot so I, I wonder how that is going to uh, come together as a movie. And uh, you know, I'm excited for Black Suit Superman as, as a fan of Death mm -hmm. Superman story. I'm, I'm really hyped about. So, you know, will it be good? Who's to say? I think that the whole weird aspect ratio thing it, it is not be good. insane. <laughs> um, What's uh, the runtime? Is it like four or five hours? Four, four hours. hours. It's, it's four one-hour parts one hour, are going to yeah. release it. Yeah. And it's not the, the Lord of the Rings? Okay. <laughs> It's not me uh, and watching thing. Titanic. Oh. So, so I, I, uh, I think that there, are, I think there are good bits in most of Snyder's DC movies. I think that I don't love the color choices he uses, the the whole Snyder thing. Um, I, I, so I guess I, I have all sorts of mixed feelings, but yeah. I am looking forward to it. Uh, the thing that I was thinking about was oh. sorry. Uh, the thing that I was thinking about was the uh, sequel trilogy of Star Wars. It started oh. with one person. Colin Trevorrow took over, then went back to J.J. Abrams. Like, you don't, you don't write... Ryan Johnson, yeah. Yeah, sorry, thank you. Yeah, it was supposed to be Colin Trevorrow for the last one, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, thank you, Ryan, uh, Ryan Johnson. But um, that was the whole problem with that trilogy, which I know is a completely different episode for... Could be a completely different episode for you, Dimitri, but... Right. It was um, a an episode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Gil, did you have harsher, harsher thoughts? Is that what I was seeing on your face? No, I, I loved, uh, you know, I love Mike. He goes, uh, you know, we don't know what's going to be bad. And I said, no, yeah, we know it's going to be bad. It's, yeah. but, it's, <laughs> but I think it's okay. It's okay for bad things to be. This is what I've, what I've learned as a nerd in the post-Schumacher era. And it's the same thing we were talking about two hours ago now when we started this call is, you know, there was a time when it really mattered 
that the one version of this movie has to be the most iconic version of Justice League. This is going to introduce Justice League to every person who doesn't understand comics. It's so important that they get this right. It's not that way anymore. This is not the only version of Justice League we're yeah. ever going to get. This is not the only version of any of those characters we're ever going to get. It's yeah. okay if it's bad. It's fine if it's bad. I'll also add, I, I think Henry Cavill is good. I think there's good performers in this, so there could be some good bits there. But yeah, I, I, I largely agree. I'm, I'm with you. Like, I don't, I don't, it doesn't matter to me if it's bad. I'm watching it. They already have my money. God bless. <laughs> I already subscribed to HBO Max. Right. right. They right. already have my cash. So I'm very happy to watch it, and I don't care if it's bad. Wait, right. Gil's the origin of the only HBO Max code, and we've all been sharing. Oh, I've always <laughs> wanted to meet you. <laughs> Are you? I, do you I, know the Netflix guy? Yeah, I think I think Mike basically hit everything. I I think I think uh, Zack Snyder is a great visual storyteller. I, I think most of his most of his original scripts fall apart. Uh, that's certainly in the case of Batman versus Superman. Yikes. Even though, I've said it before, even though on balance, um, I actually still did enjoy that movie. It is deeply, deeply flawed. Deeply flawed. And I've said this on, on the thing. If you want to do a deep dive, Movie Bob does a three-part, each part an hour and a half takedown of Batman versus Superman. And it is glorious. And, <laughs> and, and he's not... With, I mean, he is kind of a snippy guy, but his snippiness is actually backed up by real. Here's why this doesn't work. He also has bits in there about here's what does work in Batman versus Superman, and now here's two more hour and a half parts of what doesn't work. I'm, I'm gonna um, watch it because I remember those red letter media takedowns of like the prequels and of the Star Trek movies, and those are great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, and movie Bob, and again. His regular series is called Really That Good, and this one is called Really That Bad. He he really does effectively critique movies in, in a way that you can understand, even if you don't necessarily agree with them. Uh, but in um, for his Batman versus Superman, I was like, yep, yep, that's a problem. Yep, that's definitely a problem. I still, like I say, on balance, enjoy the movie, but... I can't argue with any of the negative stuff he's saying about it. It's it's all right there, or all not right, not there on on the screen. So yeah, so Zack Snyder and I do. I have a big issue with his overall aesthetic of the DC universe. DC universes, in general, I mean, you know, obviously it's gone through different waves and different editorial things, but in general, it's actually a much more hopeful universe than than the comic book Marvel universe. So it why the flipped yeah. cinematically is strange to me. Yeah. Oh, it's they have um, a complex. They feel like they're bullied because they're like, yeah. oh, we don't need this hokey Justice League or Justice Society. That old timey 1940s. Everyone's wearing a fedora, and, and I think they're just trying to course correct that image of themselves. Arms on your hips. Yeah, barrel chested strongmen with their, you know, pyramidic yeah. weights. Yeah. And, I guess um, that's sad. I just, I just, it doesn't work. I mean, it, dark and gritty works great for Batman, not for Superman. Right. It does, It just yeah. doesn't. Um, the thing I was going to say before when Mike had brought up uh, Watchmen and just saying that it looks so much like the comic book, to me, you know, I've, 
I think you read comics and it gets interpreted through your brain. It, you know, you're looking at four color, bright uh, primary colors and it interprets into sort of a real aesthetic. I think that the way the Watchmen is supposed to look is supposed to look like tra Taxi Driver. It's supposed to look like Mean Streets, you know? And then, and here comes along Zack Snyder, who's like, it's purple and yellow. Let's make everything really purple and yellow. And you're like, <laughs> no, 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 they use purple and yellow, but what it's supposed to look like is Taxi Driver. Yeah. And that's the, the thing that I always uh, bump up with, with Snyder is that mm. he, like Jeff Johns, is uh, the guy that I like to compare both Snyder and Jeff Johns to is Ed Hardy. <laughs> I think they're both guys who uh, just believe in sort of empty symbolism and they're just like, it looks crazy, right? <laughs> yeah, it's oversaturated. And it's like those five gum commercials where you're like, this is what gum feels like when you chew five gum. <laughs> and like, why was there a sex scene in that uh, owl pod thing? Like, and then the oh, fire is the ejaculate. Like, the ugh. It's in the comics. These are all... Oh, that was in the comics? Yeah. Oh, okay. I mean, these oh, yeah, are all great all questions. Comics. These are all great questions um, to, to mull it over. So here's the homework for tonight as we wrap this episode up. Go watch the sex scene a couple of times in Watchmen. And <laughs> really think just about, frame by frame it. Right, really frame by frame it. Um, uh, think about why it exists. Uh, ponder it. And uh, we'll, we'll come back to it on another episode. Um, thank you guys so much for, for, for hopping on this episode. Uh, unfortunately, it is the time. I mean, we've gone over time. Uh, but DC fandom has a lot we could have talked about. There were so many moments where we could have taken it on even more tangents, and we didn't even get to talk about uh, a couple of different things. But I feel like we we've did, got we didn't talk we didn't talk about the Wonder Woman cast playing werewolf. I mean, right? You know, I the really key moment of the thing. Yeah, right. right. Talk about filler. Um, <laughs> we're talking right. about Bloodwind. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Anderson Cooper for some reason. Oh like, yeah, the CNN, the CNN coronavirus hero thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, thank you guys so much for coming on the episode. Um, really quick, I want to go through each of you guys. Uh, if you guys want to say your social media out loud and uh, where you know where we can find you, if you got something coming up, uh, feel free uh, to talk about it. Uh, Gil, uh, what's your social media? Where can we find you? I'm at GJ Barron on all the things. Uh, of course, the show I produce is Your Late Night Show Tonight, so you can find us at Your Late Night. We are about to hit our 50th month straight of doing this show. Uh, every single month is a different talk show with a different celebrity host uh, hosting it. So this is our 50th month in a row, so uh, make sure you follow us for all the announcements about it. Awesome. Uh, Paul, uh, where, can we, where can we find you? What do you got coming up? Uh, I co-produce The Keeg. You find me here in the Batcave <laughs> at Mr. Plow Jokes. Uh, hopefully, I'll get on the Twitch. I'm still kind of trying. Okay. So, All yeah. right. Um, Steve, uh, where can we find you? Uh, Fullerton College Online. <laughs> uh, beyond that, uh, you know, obviously, I when I'm not teaching, I do theater, but not lately. So... Um, uh, I did do a couple of uh, episodes of my uh, Vegas Friends podcast, so if you tune into the last couple of weeks of Geek Shock, uh, you'll get to hear me on that. And we talked about a lot of the same things here, the DC implosion and uh, yeah. all that type of thing. Um, yeah, and then, you know, Dimitri and I have been talking about maybe a project in, for the future, and so keep your eyes peeled for that. Yeah. So far as social media goes, I did just check my Twitter uh, thing. 
I last posted on that uh, in 2015. So ah, there you go. Yes. <laughs> that's how we, that's all. That, uh, that was a big year for Twitter. So I get it, you know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Justin, uh, Justin, um, yeah. what's your social media? Where can we find you? Um, I have uh, Instagram at Justonicus, uh, like Spartacus, but Justonicus. Uh, I have a Twitter, but I'm not on it ever. Uh, kind of the same thing. The last time I was on it was like 2015. Um, <laughs> oh, and... you guys! It was it was that whole beef between you guys, the Twitter <laughs> war. <laughs> we just couldn't do it anymore. Um, I have uh, a yeah, I do theater, not really doing anything right now, though. Um, if you want to physically find me, you can find me in my parents' living room or in our <laughs> studio apartment in the back. Uh, and, yeah, that's about it for me. Yeah. Awesome. And, uh, Mike, uh, yeah. where, where can we find you? What's your social media? All that you can stuff. find me on Twitter all the time. I'm not like the last couple of folks. I'm at Mike Rowe, M-I-K-E-R-O-E, uh, on Twitter. Uh, I'm not the Dirty Jobs Mike Rowe with the W in his name. <laughs> Uh, but I, uh, yeah. I uh, am uh, posting about news, comics, uh, geek stuff, whatever, politics. So check me out there. My day job is I'm a journalist covering arts and entertainment for, uh, in L.A. for KPCC Radio and online at LAist.com. Uh, so you can find me there covering arts and entertainment as well as COVID because we're all covering that. Um, and uh, yeah, and my wife and I write screenplays together. I have some other projects in the works. I have a book coming out next year. So stay tuned for more on that when that's announced. I, I feel like you were just going to go into like my wife and I, we've been working on a birdhouse. We're building <laughs> it from scratch. I'm also, really trying she, to uh, uh, add a little uh, uh, environment to the neighborhood. And, yeah, uh, uh, we've been doing couples yoga. You know, yeah, so exactly. <laughs> we have a we have a Tumblr account dedicated <laughs> specifically to Bo, uh, President Obama's dog. Um, yeah, you want to check out our uh, dog Tumblr? Uh, yeah. <laughs> thank you guys. Uh, thank you guys. Uh, all of you guys so much for coming on the show. This is the first time that we've had six people uh, to talk about this all at once. Uh, but I think DC fandom was huge and I think we needed to definitely talk about it. Uh, I had a tonsillectomy on Monday, so um, I had to well. cancel all the week's shows. So uh, it was nice to come back and be able to do this. Um, we do the Keeg Live normally every Saturday, 3 o'clock to 5 o'clock uh, Pacific time, where we talk about a new geek topic every single week. Uh, so I'd love to have all you guys back uh, uh, on different episodes to talk about different topics. Uh, next week, we're talking about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. just ended after seven seasons, I believe. And so uh, we're talking about that next week on Saturday. Now, we do a lot of other shows. Monday and Wednesday, we do Instagram live chats uh, with different guests. So uh, follow The Keeg on Instagram, at The Keeg Show, um, for our Instagram live chats. Uh, and then we also have a Friday night uh, show called The Keeg Back, where it's less about geek talk and it's more about shooting the shit and playing games and doing that sort of thing. So we have wonderful guests lined up for the next like couple weeks. Like we have a full packed schedule. Um, so stay tuned, whether it's here on the Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash The Keeg Show. If you're listening to the podcast, it's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, that sort of thing. We're all over the place on social media. So please click follow, like, subscribe, all that good stuff on The Keeg. Uh, we really appreciate all you guys out there watching or listening. And obviously you guys, the guests that are on the show. Other than that, thank you guys so much for uh, coming out. 
uh, Gil, Paul, Steve, Mike, Justin. Uh, thank you so much. Once again, I'm your host, Demetra Pereira, and this has been The Keeg Live. Take care, guys.